You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, welcome back to the Oz Network for the beginning of our Avengers three weeks, maybe month, um, our Avengers recaps. Uh, not all of Marvel recaps, although something like that will be coming soon, but we're here to talk about the Avengers. Yes, that's right. Ray Fiennes, Uma Thurman, Sean Connery. What? It's another movie called The Avengers, based on the 60s spy series. But we're not actually talking about that. I was just wondering, uh, you know, how long it possibly go before people stopped listening to this episode. So if you're still tuned in, then uh, you, like Jamie, don't know what The Avengers is. Um, this is not The Avengers. It is Avengers 1, uh, titled Avengers Assemble in England because of the title The Avengers and I'm very excited to talk about these. Jamie isn't quite on board, uh, but there's still good stuff to come. And you you need to embrace that there's some bad stuff that's going to come. But Somebody please save me. I'm here against my will. All right. Well, I, that wasn't your opening line, but now you're going to <laughs> My name is Colin. Colin, uh, my first name is Agent. What? Oh. It's a line in the movie. My name is Jamie. And somebody, again, please save me. <laughs> Yeah, this is interesting because you're going to be pretty negative on this one. And, uh, I mean, Ben and I have made no, um, uh, we have made no excuses about the fact that we prefer the DC movies, at least at this stage where they're at. And I think there's so many people who are in love with Marvel for a lot of the labor movies they did that they kind of forget that a lot of these early Marvel movies were just okay. Um, I think this is the biggest surprise to me because... I came out of the Avengers watching the first time, even watching the second time. I remember re-watching it before even Age of Ultron and being like, you know, wow, that's such a good movie. And re-watching it just recently, um, it's not that I don't think it's a good movie, but we're at the point now where I think there's been so much overexposure with a lot of these characters uh, that there's no real novelty about getting to know them. The first hour of this movie uh, is, it's going to be a chore to get through, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Sorry, when you said getting to know, I th- I thought of that song, getting to know you, getting to know all about right, We don't you. own the copyright on that one, so please don't sue us. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, no, like, the thing is, is I still enjoy this movie, and I enjoy a lot of the Marvel movies, but I'm not so blind to say that the Marvel movies aren't without their issues, especially these early ones, this phase one that Marvel had. Uh, and I guess to set up you a little bit just to explain why Jamie's going to be complaining. There, there a definitely here. are worse movies. Well, they, okay, but here's the thing: uh, like, like there, saw... there's Mona Lisa Smile. Like, I think yeah, that, that may be that, that may times. be like the worst movie I've ever. No, wait, oh, hold on. Okay, I have to change that now. Actually, I think Mona Lisa Smile may be a better movie than Twilight. Okay, that may very well be the worst movie I've ever seen. I have seen. not seen either of them. Please don't. Um, it's a waste of your life. That unless never get we back. get like I don't know five thousand you know, subscribers uh, or 10,000 reviews uh, on iTunes. I don't think we're ever going to cover those movies, but maybe that's a challenge for the future. But again, just going with what I was saying, you liked some of these Marvel movies, the original ones we saw. You liked the original Iron Man movie. You liked The Incredible Hulk. You did not care for the first Captain America. You, You didn't mind it, but you didn't love it. You weren't crazy about the first Thor. You weren't crazy about Iron Man 2. And I even remember us seeing this first Avengers and you being like, yeah, it was okay. So, I mean, we, we have to say you like a lot of the Marvel movies. No. You just – you weren't really a fan of these early ones. No, but when you when you say like, 
I would honestly lean towards the same thing. Like, even the ones where um, I'm like, oh, they're good. It's just like, oh, well, they're just slightly better than just okay. Like, they're pretty much just, oh, okay. You know, I might watch that in a couple of years if it's on TV again type of thing. Just in the background while I'm doing dishes and having, you know... Two or three, five, six screaming children in the background. No, there's never going to be that many screaming children. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I totally don't want more than three. Um, <laughs> no, just, just joking. Colin's cutting me off at two. I, I'm not even sold on two. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but yeah, no, they're just okay. But I mean, you you were laughing at my notes that I made here when I sat down. Because... Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's let's save oh, that. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is the first time, I just want to say this, this is the first time you've ever taken notes. Like, you've done lots of episodes. You did all of Star Trek Discovery. You did several, uh, you know, random recaps uh, with me and Rossi. And I have never seen you take one note. And that's why usually we record these episodes 24 hours later and you don't remember anything that happened. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to take notes because also these recaps are a little bit more in depth. Uh, I'll also say this one's probably going to be shorter than the ones you're used to. So those of you listening who are worried about a five-hour recap like we had with Titanic, don't worry, Ben's not on this episode. <laughs> Jamie's not as long-winded. She doesn't have as many opinions. Uh, no. She kind of wants to be over and done with this so she could sit there and play her Nintendo DS. Hey, don't judge me and my Pokemon. I wasn't I judging. Work very, was I just... work very hard to train them up to beat everybody All else right. up. <laughs> but you did take notes, so credit to you. You have approximately... Um, One, I don't know, a two, page? three, four, five, six notes. All right, <laughs> you're you're on and, your way to being a real podcaster. And and yours, I think you probably have about forty. Well, I, I, again, it's different. If I'm doing the hosting of the episode, I need to oh, wait, go through. I'm everything sorry, that people. There's like three pages there. No, you're looking back at Tomb Raider now, and there's the Santa Claus and all the others. This is all of our recaps. Wow, so. that's way too much effort. Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, see, Ewoks wasn't that See, great. I don't know why you have to work so hard at this, because I come in with no notes and I'm just, like, amazing. <laughs> People love listening to me. Yeah, well, you also don't have to, I don't know, control the content of the show. Oh, I could do it. Make sure people are being interesting. Edit out all the garbage that you say that's not appropriate for air. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not I, I don't want to do all that work. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, just talking a bit about the Avengers, I mean, Marvel started this, they did not start, despite what people in this generation seem to think, they didn't start this whole, you know, uh, I guess expanded universe thing that uh, they kind of made popular over the last 10 years, or 9, no, well, I guess 10 years, this is 10 year anniversary of when Iron Man first came out, we're like a month away from the 10th anniversary, that's kind of crazy, we're a month away from the 10th anniversary of Marvel beginning this, uh, you know, Marvel universe. But, but what was the really big... The first big Marvel movie that came out, wasn't it? Was it Spider-Man or was it X-Men? Well, again, that's where you have to have a bit of a distinction because Marvel, there were movies based on Marvel comics. Marvel sold the rights to a lot of their movies over the years. Uh, and they decided after they saw the success of X-Men, which came first, and then Spider-Man two years later, when they saw the success of those, they said, why don't we just create our own movie studio and we'll make our own movies with the properties we have the rights to. Uh, and obviously they've slowly reacquired some like Daredevil, um, Spider-Man through a deal, uh, X-Men now through a deal, Fantastic Four possibly through a deal. But at this point, doing the Avengers really had to do with the fact that when Marvel uh, saw the success of Spider-Man, X-Men and other movies and then decided to launch their own movie studio, they had the rights to characters like Iron Man, like Captain America, like Thor, 
uh, and did not have the rights to the Hulk, but made a deal for that. So they said, really, the only thing we can do, we can't do X-Men, we can't do Spider-Man, let's do the Avengers. And that was kind of the idea from the beginning. They did set out from the very first movie they made, Iron Man, to eventually get to the Avengers. Thanks, but you still didn't answer my question. I did. I said, Spider-Man came first, or sorry, I said, X-Men came first, and two years later came Spider-Man. And off the success of that, Marvel decided we're going to make our own movies. So you have... The movie that was the question you asked, no, I, right? No, but I wasn't asking about. I the did answer it I twice, three times the, now. <laughs> I wasn't asking about like the studio and the studio change. You see, you're complicating things. I'm just I'm wondering because you're the movie buff that knows the years. I'm saying which movie came out first. So for the fourth time, X Men. You right? had X Men, and then two years later, you had Spider Man, and then off the success of that, Marvel said we're going to produce our own movies. Okay, and this, so this Marvel, is just a little bit of a rabbit trail, but you know what? A little bit. I, I just have to say, you know what? I was a diehard fan of the uh, old school X Men um, cartoon. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. But yes, but uh, the old school. Um, Spider-Man cartoon, like the one from the 60s, mm-hmm. and then also the 90s Spider-Man, like when they redid it all when I was a kid and stuff like that. And I just have to say, like, I know they've done tons of movies and they remade it with Andrew Garfield, and honestly, I don't even feel like for the old movies that they did with, what's his face? Tobey Maguire? Yeah, him or Andrew Garfield, that any of them actually are really... Well, and I don't know. It, again, it just, to be it, fair, it I just don't even, doesn't feel authentic to me. I don't even think that the new one, Spider-Man: Homecoming, completely nails it. But I'll disagree because I think the first two ones no. were too You didn't no. see Spider-Man: Homecoming. No, I'm saying I'm saying the originals. No. No. Okay, anyways, uh, all I see in your notes every once in a while, I see Chris Shh. Evans. I see Chris Hemsworth. I see Loki. I kind of know where this. Episode, did, this is how I sold did, you. On did you see episode. this word here? What? What's that? Girl boner? No. <laughs> Boobs. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that could very well be Chris Evans as well, or Chris Hemsworth. So uh, let's move on with this a little bit. Uh, so the movies started because Marvel wanted to produce their own movies. So everything up until then, X-Men, Spider-Man, they kind of had a say in it. They did executive produce it and everything, but really it just came down to approval. Okay, you're not allowed to do that in the movie, but you know, Sony made their own Spider-Man movies. Fox made their own X-Men movies. And again, this is just a complaint I have about Marvel fans where they're all out there saying, like, Fox should give the rights back to Marvel. Marvel should own it. Marvel sold the rights. I mean, yeah. he, that I, like, if I sell a used car to somebody, but 10 years later, you know, I'd be a better person to maintain that car. I don't say, well, I deserve to have the car back. You know, they sold the rights to deal with it. Plus, I like not having everything in Marvel. And I think that's one of the problems we're going to get to in Infinity War. And one of the reasons why this movie I don't think ages as well is because we just have so much exposure of so many of the characters now that nothing feels necessarily as special as I think people really remember this through rose-colored glasses. But uh, Iron Man came first, 2008. They did have the idea because you had that post credit scene where they introduced Nick Fury and they talk about the Avengers initiative. Now, there had been talk about they're going to do Avengers movie. I remember after Iron Man came out and they're... It was a huge hit, and suddenly, like, well, we got the Hulk coming out now, and they're working on Thor and Captain America. Even at the time, I thought, this is a pipe dream. There's no way this is ever going to be pulled off. Marvel didn't create this whole expanded universe thing. It really started, uh, I guess, back in the, the 40s, the 50s. Universal was doing it with their monsters. So you have Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. And these characters would cross over into movies. They would eventually build up to... A big movie like House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, where you'd have all the characters in one movie, and then you'd go back and do a solo one and stuff like that. So they're taking the formula that worked in the 50s that also 
you know, the Japanese studio Toho did with like the Godzilla and um, Rodan and Ghidorah and all those other movies in the 60s. So they took this formula and they really did make it modern and told, I guess, an overall storyline that was a little bit more complex. Um, but I never thought that the Avengers would ever come out. Like, do you remember anything about when the first Iron Man came out and hearing me or anybody else talk about, yeah, they're going to do the Hulk and they're going to do Captain America, and they're going to be Thor and they're eventually going to have the Avengers. Do you remember any of that? I barely remember what I did last week. <laughs> no. You don't remember That's a dumb question. You've been married to me for five years. Do you remember a time period, though, where we didn't have these things like the DC movies leading up to Justice League or uh, the Marvel movies leading up to Avengers? And Well, of course. I mean, like, kids these days, you know, like, they don't even know what a V... Yeah. This is why people think you're older than me. (laughs) You have kids these days that don't even know what, like, VHS players are, like a Walkman. They'd be like, what the heck is that for? You know? (laughs) I don't know what that has to do with my question, but okay. <laughs> There's your old lady rant on the episode. I'm not old. I'm only going to be 29 this year. I'm not even 30. All right. <laughs> Most 29-year-olds aren't talking about, these kids these days don't appreciate Walkmans and VHSs. It's just it's just like a different generation. I actually learned today that uh, like millenni- like millennials are, I think, like actually 23 to 37. Because everybody says these millennials, but it's actually like Generation we, Z is yeah, me or something is, we, well, is the one for today. No, we talked about that during the Survivor season that they just skipped the whole generation of Generation Y, and then they said millennials are going to be later. But anyways, wrong, wrong uh, um, I'm franchise. A, I'm here. a millennial. I'm young. Uh, no, you don't want to be a millennial. They don't have the best reputations. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even remember what it was like when we had VHS. I'm, I'm, I'm hip. I'm happening. I mean, we're both technically millennials, but you know, are, are you? Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, you, you you're just right at the end of it, the thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're just right there. All right. So I'm not going around complaining about VHSs though. Just want to put that on the record. Uh, so yeah, with the Avengers movie when it eventually did come out, I mean, it was the the slow build, but I remember even when it looked like they had the Hulk, and Hulk is of course that was the original Hot. Spider-Man. Okay, uh, <laughs> but when. You know, people look back and they're like, well, how come they haven't made another Hulk solo movie? That has to do with the fact that Universal still owned the rights. So Marvel was still very new when they started uh, to make these movies. And when they made The Incredible Hulk, it was with Universal. Now they're doing that with Spider-Man Homecoming, working with other studios. But, uh, you know, we had that. And then we had the Captain America and Thor and Iron Man 2. And all those movies kind of lead up to the Avengers here. Now, do you, do you, do you remember... Do you think when he turns into the Hulk that his, you know what, gets like super like... Huge and thick. Do you have notes on that? You tell me. I wasn't looking. <laughs> no, I just thought about it when I when I saw him transform into the Hulk yesterday. I was just thinking, I was like, I wonder if this guy has the ability to actually like get it on because you know stress and everything else. I there, whatever um, bring, brings it on. I'm like, how can this guy actually like have sex and not? Well, Hulk that up? was that was part of the the Incredible Hulk movie, the the one with Ed, before Mark Ruffalo came, the one with. Uh, Okay, first you had Eric Bana, right? Mm-hmm. And that was pre any of these movies. That was 2003. And a slightly underrated movie. People are a little bit unfair to that one. But that was one with Eric Bana. And when that movie came out, they made an action figure. I don't know if it was just uh, a mistake or it was just in certain markets. But it was a anatomically correct Hulk where you could see a crotch bulge okay. in this action figure. So Google that if you want. And then you had the Edward Norton one uh, where there's a scene where uh, he's in bed with Liv Tyler and he starts to get worked up and he pulls himself back because he's like, oh, I don't want to hulk out here in the middle of sex. That uh, would probably really hurt. That big, huge <laughs> hunk, 
I wouldn't know. Hoctic. Okay. I would not know, but anyways, we get all these movies lead up to the Avengers. Now, do you remember any of these movies? Iron Man 1, yes, yes, Iron Man yes. 2, Incredible Hulk, uh, yeah, Iron Man, Thor, Captain Iron Man America. 2, that, that was just garbage. Terrible. It was garbage. Um, but... And, I and guess the, the, story... the first Thor actually wasn't that good, but the newest one, like, I have to tell you, it's probably, like, I might even go as far to say one of my favorite Marvel movies. It was good. Um, it was amazing. It was good. Again, I have issues with how the Hulk was handled in that, just becoming slapstick comic relief. The, it, he wasn't really a beast, but we'll cover that when we get to, I guess, the first Hulk out scene in this movie. But back to what I was saying. This will go on for another two hours, people. Sorry, guys, um, I only do have six notes, so it shouldn't be too long, but... Um, so the real story that's been told up, up until now, they're all standalone movies. They're mostly origin movies. You have the introduction of you know Iron Man introducing himself to the world, which is important. And then you have S.H.I.E.L.D. coming after him, Nick Fury. Uh, Incredible Hulk. They don't really introduce anything in that movie that's important to this other than one reference, which we'll talk about. Uh, you're going to get that more in the later Marvel movies. Uh, C- Captain America, I think, came first. Or Thor. Thor came First, Iron Man 2, which introduced Black Widow then. Uh, Then Thor introduced Hawkeye as a cameo. Um, And that involved the whole scattering of the Cosmic Cube and everything. And um, uh, that's where the Tesseract comes in in the first Avenger, where they find the Tesseract, which is the main thing that drives these movies. You know, when I was watching the movie and they kept saying, Tesseract, Tesseract. You're thinking the Tardigrade. Tardigrade, Tardigrade, Tardigrade. I'm so done with that word. (laughs) But yeah, the, the Tesseract was mostly featured in Captain America the First Avenger. Uh, and that movie, of course, also ends with him waking up in the future with Nick Fury. And um, Is that the guy with the skull face? That's Red Skull. Nick Fury is Samuel Jackson. No, the skull face guy. That was Captain America the First Avenger, but that was Red Skull in that movie. Yeah, the red, the guy with the red face. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No face. Right. Red face. Okay. Skull face. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on. See, I, I remember what movie That brings it was. us up until now. So, do you have any memories about when we saw the Avengers on opening night? Uh, yeah, I remember leaving the theater and thinking, wow, that was pretty average. <laughs> but here's the, here's the other thing. Is that you're a fan of, this is how I sold you in the movie, you're the fan of the Marvel boys. <laughs> you're a bigger fan of the DC boys, but you're a fan of boys. Chris Evans... Uh, Chris Pratt, can, can who's you, not in Can you say yet. men? It makes me feel weird. Well, not all of them are men, but... <laughs> I'm not old enough to be like a cougar yet, okay? <laughs> uh, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Chris Pratt. Some of these guys you, you okay. would not, you're not fans of okay, yet. Okay, my, which... my, my first note, my first note well, here. Well, hold on, okay. Hold on, because it, uh, it, it leads into is, what you're saying. We're just talking about if you remember, we'll get to I, that. I, I remember. Okay, just, when... just go with it. You see, host. See, you see, can edit. See, I can host. It was my first note. When does Loki get hot? And then I put <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Because you know what's so weird is I remember watching Thor Ragnarok and I was like, I was like, dang, this guy is like quite good looking. He's pretty hot in this movie. And then I'm like, you know, I don't know what it was. Like, I didn't think he was hot in the other one, you know. And then I thought to myself, I do actually have to go back and rewatch it, you know, as painful as that sounds or whatever but i i did actually go back to rewatch it and i'm watching it and i'm like there's just i don't know that he's just not good looking in this movie to me well it, it was kong skull island where 
you know, you first noticed him. And even at that time, you're like, ah, oh, he looks much better in this other than with that, that stupid wig. And then you saw him with the wig in Thor Ragnarok, and you didn't realize the same guy from Kong Skull Island. But, yeah, I can't explain that to you because I'm not attracted to Tom Hiddleston Maybe in either. Maybe because he was more, like, period. charming and had a sense of humor in the new one, too. Because in this one, it's just he's he's just evil and there's nothing really funny about him. He's just kind of creepy. Well, well, we'll talk about Loki in a bit. But anyways, no real memories. My memory for seeing the Avengers, I remember seeing it, you know, opening night. I remember thinking they really got it right. I kind of had doubts that it would be done right. Um, Wait, which especially which guy did you think that was hot? None. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> you didn't think Nick Fury was... Well, like, come on. Samuel, hot? of course. He's Samuel Jackson. But outside of him, no. Uh, I'm not. I'm not into the Marvel boys or men. <laughs> men, please. Anyways... So let's just jump into the movie since you remember nothing about seeing it. <laughs> um, we have the story up until now. So the movie starts uh, and I guess the Chitari are introduced right away. Way, that's our first introduction. Not really Thanos yet, but just seeing the alien threat. Um, you have S.H.I.E.L.D.'s evacuation and we're introduced to our three main S.H.I.E.L.D. characters. So you have Agent Coulson, who's of course the guy who now stars on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you have Maria Hill, who was introduced in this movie, and you have Samuel Jackson. Um, he's not Nick Fury, he's Samuel Jackson. So those are your three leads, I guess, of the the S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, we didn't really see S.H.I.E.L.D. up until now. We had little bits and pieces of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Thor, little bits and pieces in Iron Man 2. Um, any thoughts you had on S.H.I.E.L.D. as the organization? Because like, you haven't really watched the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, no should, should you? I wouldn't recommend it. But is S.H.I.E.L.D. something that you're interested in? Do you like this stuff? Because this was new. In, in 2012, we hadn't seen S.H.I.E.L.D. before. No, thank you. All right. You don't have a note on that. So. <laughs> no, I did, I did have a note here when it's starting, though, and everything's happening. Can I, can I tell you about that yet? Because mm-hmm. what I had noted here was when they were trying to escape, obviously, with Loki, right? Why wouldn't Loki use his power to blow up all the vehicles before they actually got chased? Because when they're getting chased... No, no, just just follow me for a second. Well, okay? I haven't talked about that part in the story, which is why I'm wondering how you're bringing it up. Just, just, just hold on. This doesn't make any sense. It's like the whole, you watch the movie, people, and rewatch it if you don't believe me, although I know that's going to be painful. <laughs> but you watch the movie, and it's like Loki has a delayed reaction for absolutely everything that he does. Like, he's just so dumb, and he has a delayed reaction. He's never everything. seen Earth before. Anyways. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't know what a car is. Anyway. So it's like, it's like why doesn't he actually blow these vehicles up or whatever so people can't hop in them to chase him and then shoot at him and stuff and even when they're getting uh chased by a helicopter later you clearly see him acknowledge it and look at it and then he only blows it up when he's getting shot at like this this is because this is a really stupid bad guy it's not a stupid bad guy if you remember the first thor movie thor shows up on earth and understands nothing about humans understands nothing about our culture doesn't understand etiquette. Doesn't understand well, he understood what anything enough, is. He understood enough to hop in the back of a truck, knowing knowing that it would drive away. Okay, but Loki's never seen any of this before. Okay, well, I just, I just proved you wrong. He hopped in the back of a truck, knowing that he could get away. So to get there, the tesseract turns on. Now this is the big object from Captain America that we saw them dig out of the ocean at the end. Uh, they make mentions of there's low levels of gamma radiation, which of course can be important later on. Uh, they're thinking like that can be harmful. Um, 
the door they talk about the doors opening for both sides. So here we have Stellan Skarsgård who was the scientist in the Thor movie. Now he's the old guy who gets possessed along with Hawkeye. Now do you recognize him at all? Yeah. He's the guy from Mission Impossible. What? Yeah. Was Stellan Skarsgård in Mission Impossible? The Hawkeye guy. No, that's Hawk. Yes, Jeremy Renner is. No, Stellan Skarsgård, the guy who plays uh, Selvig, the the scientist. I don't know, but he looks pretty creepy. He's in Mamma Mia, um, uh, among every other thing, Deep Blue Sea, but you'd probably know him as the father of the guy that plays Tarzan in the new Tarzan movie, and the father of the guy that plays Pennywise in It. So his oh, sons are becoming more famous He's in Romeo again. and Juliet. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was in Cinderella? Yeah. Prince of Verona. Well, that's a 2013 version. I don't think you've seen that. Oh. Well, Anyways, him. he's a great actor. He, he was in a movie, Boogie Woogie. He was he was um, Orlando Bloom's dad in the Pirates of the Caribbean oh, movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, great actor, but it's unfortunate now his sons, because of it and Tarzan, his sons are kind of more famous than him. But I don't know. I like Stellan Skarsgård a lot more in this than I did in the Thor movies. I think that's just because I like the Thor movies more, or I, I like this more than the Thor movies. Uh, they mentioned that the doors open from both sides. You know that this this tesseract is some portal, and Loki, of course, comes in. We get the big chase and everything. Uh, we get that I already talked about. Yeah, you got nothing to add on that. So now you really are hosting. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, it ends. You know, this is level seven. As of now, we're at war, and they ask, "What do we do?" And of course, that's when the titles come up. Dun, 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 dun. Avengers. Is that the or in England, Avengers Assemble. Is that the sound that equals lameness? Because it would be right. <laughs> That's a great theme. That's a, one thing I'll talk about since you talk about it. Oh my gosh, else. no. You know, the theme you is know great. How, do you know how many months I had to listen to you hum that? I know. It it's a so great annoying. theme. No, it's so Marvel annoying. is not good oh. with their original scores. There are a handful that are great. Now, Alan Silvestri, who did Back to the Future, does the music for... He did Captain America the First Avenger, which, of course, you know that music because it's one that I hum even more, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. When I was pregnant, that's all I heard, I swear. Yeah. It was great. No, it wasn't great. So they brought him on to do the Avengers, and I have to say, there's really only a handful of Marvel movies that had a really good score. I think that uh, um, Doctor Strange had a good one. Uh, I think that the Avengers movies and Captain America, at least the First Avenger, had a good one. Really, that's kind of it. I mean, Marvel's not big on the music, or at least they haven't really hit on any type of iconic themes. But, like, you got to at least give me whether you're sick of it or not. This is a good heroic theme. It fits something like the Avengers. Sure. All right. You enjoyed it. I'm so glad that Ben was busy. <laughs> I have to do this with Jamie. I, I, and Nick was busy. I have other notes, but I now I don't want to jump ahead because I'll explain something and you'll be like, well, this is okay. what happens since so, Jamie explained it. Right here's, here. like, I like the opening, but let's be honest. Like, here's the thing. 2012, everybody was crazy about this opening. Like, it's got Loki in it. It's got cars. It's got explosions. This is not, you know, a 007 pre-title sequence. No. It's... It's one of the things that I'm going to complain about a lot for the first half of this episode that doesn't hold up as well in 2018. And part of that is because we've seen so much bigger things. This is not a Mission Impossible or James Bond pre-title scene. This is just a generic run-of-the-mill and action scene. And there's not enough shirtless guys in this Okay. <laughs> it's true. That was my other complaint. I got it's the note true. right here. You know, before my other note here that I have, which I won't say because it'll spoil the next thing that goes on, after that, I ha- I put, why hasn't there been a shirtless scene with Chris Evans yet? <laughs> it, I mean... It was a real concern, I'm telling you. It people. was a real concern, yes. 
You're like, I need to write to Marvel right now and Disney and tell them you're doing something wrong. Not enough shirtless Chris Evans. Well, you know what? DC knows what they're doing. Like, look at the Wonder Woman movie where they had, you know... Chris Pine? Yeah. What's he was shirtless face? for like one scene in that. Uh, he wasn't just shirtless, honey. He was okay. completely naked, hu- cupping his dick. Like, yeah, Okay. So this is total double standard. Because if Ben or I said this on the episode about Gal Gadot or anybody else... Oh, that's disgusting, but Jamie can say this. You know what? Okay, we've already established this in our episodes. You know what? The, the You're gener- a terrible human being. No, the, the general <laughs> conception, misconception, sorry, of the world is that guys are pigs. No, it's completely the other way around. Women are filthy, and guys are the ones who are actually shy and reserved. <laughs> I don't know if guys Got, are shy and reserved. No, well, they, they, they might talk to their friends that way, but they're not like publicly like that. Yeah. Well, no, I will give you, I have met more women who say inappropriate things than guys who say inappropriate things or at least they'll say it more openly that's what i anyways mean. i have no idea what to do with anything so here's the second thing we already said the opening sequence doesn't hold up that well the next hour of the movie is basically introductions to all the characters and this is something that 2012 you're like oh my goodness so good we're seeing you know nick fury being introduced then we get the black widow and then we get the hulk and then we get uh iron man and then we get captain america and it's just Everybody introduced one after the other. They're all in each other's movies now. It's not special. I mean, we, we got to the point where Robert Downey Jr. was in a Spider-Man movie, and you thought it would be cool to see Iron Man in a Spider-Man movie, and instead it's sort of it was sort of like, yeah, I could have done it without Iron Man. And can I just say that I like it when Marvel actually does their uh, comic timing right, when they actually get stuff funny on screen right? Like when it showed Black Widow and then it showed her answering the phone. It's like, no, you can't pull me off. That of this. was good. And and she's, but again, you're jumping ahead. She's, I haven't talked about it yet. I know. She's like, she's like, this idiot's giving me everything. Oh. And then he's like, no, I'm not. Like that was great. That yeah. was good. But you know what that was is that it's bringing and, and we probably should talk about this in the beginning. But the big thing that got this movie going because John Favreau did Iron Man, and I remember the time everybody said, well, John Favreau is going to do the Avengers. He said, I won't direct an Avengers movie because John Favreau didn't understand how he could bring a character like Thor into this real world that Iron Man lives in and have it work. And these movies were all so crazy different that even when you introduce Thor, it still didn't make sense, even though it took place on Earth. Joss Whedon was the right guy to do this. As many complaints I'm going to have with the next movie on Joss Whedon, uh, he was the right guy for this movie. Because if you look where he came from, I mean, he had, I don't even know if he had made a movie. I'll, I'll kind of research it as we're talking here. But Wasn't he, he the one that just made the most recent... Uh... He took over for the reshoots on uh, Justice, Justice League. League. He did the reshoots on it. Um, it was still a Zack Snyder movie, but he did reshoots, yeah. But Joss Whedon, you know, was a screenwriter mostly. He created Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel. Uh, he wrote the original Toy Story movie. Um, what are some of the other ones? Well, obviously, uh, the big one would be Serenity and Firefly, uh, which only ran for a few episodes, but like people were crazy about that. So... I think that might be the only movie Joss Whedon had directed at this point. He directed episodes of his TV show. Yeah. So the only movie he had directed was Serenity, which was a spin-off of his own TV show. And Dollhouse, of course, my favorite Joss oh, Whedon show, I Dollhouse. Why. It's a great show. That's yeah. why. Or is it just that it has a really hot girl in it? It's a great show. He's, um, he's blushing so much over here, you guys. Yeah, but you see, I'm not as openly repulsive as you are. It's okay. She's, she's hot. I'll agree. Anyway, we should have had her in this movie because I'm not a fan of Scarlett Johansson, who we're talking about next. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can I just say... Oh, uh, no, no, no. Let me finish. No, when, oh. we're, when we're talking about Scarlett Johansson and, and this, this whole scene... I had a note here. I'm like, was Black Widow's outfit really that practical? Holy boobs, Batman. Well, it, she wasn't. She was taken prisoner. She wasn't. You, you get the impression you're in the middle. Okay. 
So we see Black Widow. She's strapped to a chair. She's wearing this tight dress. You're thinking, is that practical? She's not on a mission here. I mean, she is on a mission, but to the Russians that she's dealing with in the scene, she was probably at some type of, I don't know, casino. I'm just thinking James Bond-like here. You know, it's the kind of spy thing. She's at some type of casino with them or some type of function and gets caught doing something, so they take her prisoner. There's no way that she's like, I gotta go on one of my spy missions. Should I take the camouflage or should I take this evening gown? I mean, this was clearly just she was doing some. This was her undercover and got caught. But anyways, the scene itself, like you said, it's really funny that they're interrogating her. And then the phone call comes in and it's like, it's for her. It's like, what are you doing? I'm working right now. <laughs> it's like, this guy's giving me everything. Yeah, that stuff's fantastic. Uh, so I really like the scene. And I think the only reason why I think I like this one more than the ones that are going to follow is because we we had Black Widow in Iron Man 2. I don't think she was very good in Iron Man 2, but we haven't really given an introduction to her yet as a character. So this scene works. We're going to breeze through a bunch of these here. Uh, her oh, thank, mission... Thank God, thank God, thank God. Her mission is that uh, uh, she has to go get the big guy, uh, which, of course, is Bruce Banner. So now we're introduced to uh, Mark Ruffalo for the first time. And this is the third Hulk we've had at this point in nine years. The second one Marvel has had in only three years. Edward Norton, who did the first Hulk, he chose not to come back. Um, this is going to become a common thing again when people think that like Marvel's got their act together and, oh, well, they don't have problems like you know the, the Joss Whedon thing taking over for Justice League or uh, directors dropping out all over the place for the Batman, like Ben Affleck dropping out for directing the Batman. You have to remember here, this, is, this isn't about Pylon Marvel, but like they had their issues as well. And a perfect example is Edward Norton. Edward Norton signed on to play not only play the Hulk, but he actually co-wrote the screenplay without a screen credit. And he was so dissatisfied with how Marvel cut the movie to pieces that he's like, I'm not going to work with him again. And that's going to become, when we talk about Age of Ultron, we're going to get into why Joss Whedon walked away from Marvel. And it's because he didn't believe that they gave any real creative control to the, the people they hired. Uh, on this first movie here, though, maybe it being Joss Whedon's first movie, I mean, the right guy for it. He, he's done very outlandish sci-fi. He'd done it very realistically, I guess, from what you have shown me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's not really as goofy as you think. Um, Firefly was a really intelligent show for something that was kind of just, you know, Star Wars-like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy-like. But uh, now we're already on our second Hulk in a few years, and... I don't know if anybody really was that excited. I mean, people are excited about Mark Ruffalo. I'm a huge Mark Ruffalo oh, fan. Oh, I'm a huge Mark Ruffalo I know. Fan. See, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, there's only a handful of actors that I can honestly say I will watch any movie they're in. Uh, Christian Bale's probably the big one for me. No matter what he's in, I'm watching it. He's hot, too. Joel Edgerton. We he's talked about too. that on Red Sparrow. I'll watch anything he's in. He's hot, too. Uh, I got a couple like Michael Fassbender that... I may skip a couple of his movies because I hear too. they're really bad. <laughs> Jamie and I have the same taste in man. That's what you're learning here on the Avengers. <laughs> but Mark Ruffalo is one of those other guys. And I can't tell you how many movies that I never would have given the time of day to that I watched just because Mark Ruffalo's, Ruffalo's in them. Like, he is so good. Uh, and I was excited to see him play Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk. But I don't know if anybody was that crazy about it at this point. Maybe because they'd been jaded with, you know, having too many Hulk actors. It's kind of like the Batman thing. Uh, but like he instantly sets a different tone here. The Edward Norton one was you know, kind of this this guy who was, 
I don't know if he was really beaten down, but he... Yeah, I was going to say serious. He was scared of himself. Yeah, yeah. And Bruce Banner here is being brought in because there's a sick father. He's in some country. The kid's saying, you got to come help my sick father. Then you realize they're trapped. Black Widow's talking to him. And he he kind of approaches this like, yeah, you have no idea what you're dealing with right now. Like, he's fully confident. It's like, listen, I can live with whatever I'm going to do as the Hulk, but I don't think you want me to do that. And it's just a totally different... Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Mark Ruffalo, I would feel, has less of an intimidating presence than Eric Bana or Edward Norton. But instantly, you're like, I don't want to mess with even Bruce Banner in this movie. So a decent scene. They reference a deleted scene from The Incredible Hulk here where he talks about, you know, the last time that uh, uh, I, I tried this. I, I tried to pull a bullet down. The, the, the other guy swallowed it and spit it out. And that was the uh, alternate opening for The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton that he went up to uh, Alaska or something like that, North Pole, and he tried to commit suicide and he basically hulked out. Uh, so it was kind of fun to have that thrown in there. Uh, after this, we get the Captain America introduction, which I'm a huge Captain America fan. Um, Me he's, too. He's I know, He's hot. Same taste in men. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think of all these characters, of all Marvel characters, period. I think that the two that I was always the biggest fan of were Spider-Man and Captain America. And I was a huge Iron Man fan and even Daredevil fan growing up, but it was always sort of Captain America and Spider-Man for me. But I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, but again, I don't think any of the movies that they've done have got it right. Well, this, okay. Not, not this... even the Toby, I was going to say Toby Keith, Toby, <laughs> Toby Maguire. No. Uh, you've, that's the second time you said that. You must have had like two notes. Or, so now we're down to five notes. But anyways. Oh, less than that. So Chris Evans, great as Captain America. Uh, this scene, though, I feel it goes on a little long because this was the post credit scene for the first Avenger, which was the last movie they released leading into the Avengers. It was like almost a year before the Avengers came out. But if you remember, after the credits, you have this scene with him in the punching bag and Nick Fury comes in and says, I want to talk about the Avengers initiative. And then they kicked into the first teaser trailer for the Avengers. So everybody had seen this scene at this point. Uh, still, I think it's kind of cool just to see him punching the punching bag and everything. Uh, he does make a mention of something that's going to come up later. It says, uh, after everything I'm seeing, you got to think this is a guy who's... This is the first time we're seeing him that he's been asleep for, what, 80 years or something like that? 75, 80 years? And now he's like, there's nothing that's going to surprise me here. Um, so the Captain America is introduced. Then we get Iron Man. So smart of them to wait to introduce Iron Man because he was by far the most popular character leading into this. Uh, leaving it for last, you kind of get the introductions of everybody else, and then everybody's going to love Iron Man. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. does own this character. They go a little bit too over the top with a lot of his one-liners, but honestly, this is one scene that could have been five minutes less. And I can tell you how it could be five minutes less. Cut out Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, is there any any need to have no, Gwyneth Paltrow? I actually was watching that whole thing, and I'm like, why? why what's the point of this scene? It's They want to bring in other characters from these other movies, which is why we have Stellan Skarsgården here from Thor. Um, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't like, have... But it's like, again, like, why bother, though, if, if they're meaningless? Yeah, know. it was just a cameo. You know, they make mention of Natalie Portman later in here. I was I was much happier to have Gwyneth Paltrow than Natalie Portman. Marvel's movies... See, this is what I was talking about. Marvel movies, they just do not cast my favorite actresses. Like, this is why I don't like any of the female characters in the Marvel movies until we get to maybe D- Guardians of the Galaxy. though. Well, they cast much better actresses. It's just, I'm not a fan of Scarlett Johansson. I'm not a fan of Natalie Portman. I'm not a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. I'll go as far as to say, I dislike Natalie Portman and Gwyneth Paltrow. 
Oh, you can't stand Natalie Portman. Yeah, but that's more on a personal thing, you know, not as much her movies, although but, her movies get a too. But, like, too. DC, it's completely the opposite. Like, uh, Anne Hathaway, when she played Catwoman, yeah. Colin was like, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> and then Gal Gadot for when she played Wonder Woman, oh my goodness. All right, I, I develop a southern accent, apparently. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I see someone who's attractive. Um, but that, anyways. Now that's a flaming, flaming uh, hot person there. <laughs> I don't even know what accent you... A flaming hot person there. <laughs> this is how girls talk to each other. They're not really that filthy. They just think that things like flaming hot person, that that's somehow really inappropriate. Um, anyways, no, the scene no, itself... if somebody was flaming, you'd be laughing at them because Colin likes to laugh at people on fire. Yes. But anyways, Iron Man... This is the other problem I have is if you watch these chronologically, they flip-flop with this character so much. He says, I don't really want to do this uh, Avengers thing. They say, we want you the Avengers. He comes back and says, put me in the Avengers. They're like, nah, no, we don't want you anymore. Now they're coming back to him again. It's like they've done this now in three movies in a row. It's annoying. Yeah, although it was kind of funny. Like his one-liners are great in here, like especially the one I mentioned at the beginning where Gwyneth Paltrow calls him uh, Phil. And she's like, Phil, his first name is Agent. Like that was funny. Uh, and the whole thing when he's bargaining, bargaining for her to get like 12% of the credit, you know, that's good. Uh, but I don't know, should we stop here? I guess, yeah, we're, we're just at the end of the introduction. So do you have any notes on these introductions or anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't know if this other part is something that like you haven't talked about, but I thought it was really funny when Loki was, he like broke out into outside and then he was trying to get everybody to kneel to him. You remember that part of the movie? Is that coming? That's coming much later on. <laughs> oh, anyways, that that's actually that's your my, next note. Yeah, so that just shows you how interesting the movie was. But I just thought it was hilarious because when he was when he was like kneel before me, I just I just thought it um, immediately like uh, about Superman kneel before Zod. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> Should I just edit that in when we talk about it later? <laughs> no. All right, you'll come up with something to talk about. Uh, do you like these introductions? No. Can you give me something? Um, there wasn't enough shirtless Chris Evans. That's scene. your next note you have there. Why hasn't there been a shirtless Chris Evans scene yet? That was the note before the Zod thing, actually. Which is way down the line. But, but when you're talking about introductions, that's true. Like, come on, people. Give give the women what they want. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, these movies are lacking shirtless men. Anyways, just not enough for you. So... We just heard a baby cry in the background. <laughs> That's for the awkward pause. Hopefully it goes it's back It's all to your sleep. fault, Colin. Uh, so Coulson has a fun scene here. Now we start to bring the characters together. Coulson has a fun scene where he fanboys out over Captain America because he had his trading cards. He watched him while he was sleeping, which isn't creepy at all. Oh, that was so creepy. <laughs> I love that, though. Um, he asks for the autograph and everything. Now we get introduced to the helicarrier. So this is like this big, massive airship, which like that's that's pretty cool. I think that's the first thing we've really seen in this movie that feels like it's something big and something special. Uh, and it's going to obviously play a bigger part later on. Um, Banner's job. Why is he there? We don't really know. I guess that's still to come. Uh, I don't know. I had a note on that. Uh, the Germany. Okay, so they're off to Germany now. And this is where they say, Captain, you're up. So Loki's obviously breaking into this this big, rich party here. You see, I'm being helpful. I'm telling you the next thing to happen. Yes. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Loki asks them to bow before him and everything, right? And uh, there's there's a line here where the guy talks about, um, uh, you know, there was another man who asked us to bow before him. Uh, the, the, the last time it was in Germany or whatever, there was another man. Captain America's talking about Hitler there, which is kind of a cool throwback. Uh, and 
I guess we get this quick fight here with Captain America, Loki, Iron Man comes in. Uh, Iron Man has the line where he uh, says, make your move reindeer games, which is kind of funny. There's a movie nobody remembers. And uh, yeah, big fight scene here. Anything you want to talk about on that that you haven't already mentioned? Uh, not that specifically, but just just shortly after that, though, I was going to say I was actually pretty surprised because I forgot, obviously, that Captain America's shield could withstand uh, Thor's hammer. Yeah, well, you find that out in the next scene, which we haven't talked about yet. I told you, I'm being helpful. I'm telling you the oh. next thing to happen. But I, I, at this point, I was, I was going to be honest and maybe Colin, you can help me out because I'm sure other people are struggling with the same thing as me. At this point in the movie, I was tuning out a little bit. I'm just like, oh gosh, why am I watching this? And then I'm thinking to myself, like I, I, I look back and then I see. Thor throws hammer at him and bounces off or whatever like he can withstand the power and I'm just thinking to myself I'm like why are they fighting and I'm like I actually don't know why they're fighting and I really don't care but why are they fighting (sighs) um why don't we cover the scenes and we'll get my opinion on it so we're jumping all over the place here uh, but after a little bit of a fight uh, on the, um, the the plane ride back you know, Thor comes in, he takes Loki, you know, after they've taken him prisoner here. Uh, that's our first introduction to Thor. So a lot of people did complain when this movie came out that Joss Whedon kind of snubbed Thor in this. And it was very clear, I think, to anybody watching who had seen the movies prior to this, that obviously Iron Man was in there just because of his popularity at the time, but that Joss Whedon really had an affection for Captain America. Like, he really worked hard on making Captain America special in this movie. Uh, and he did the same for the Hulk, but that he probably didn't care that much for Thor. Uh, Thor, I'm not going to say he gets sidelined in this movie. It didn't make sense to introduce him before this point. And I feel like this introduction, where he just sort of blasts out of the sky and they, they talk about, you know, what are you afraid of, a little bit of lightning? And then Loki says, no, it's just I'm not overly fond of what follows. And then we get this fight scene with Thor going after Loki, his brother, and uh, Captain America and uh, Iron Man come into this as well. So... I guess this is something that all the fans really wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to see characters introduced, and that's, at this point now in 2018, with so many more movies that have come since there with so many crossovers, it doesn't feel good. This, I don't know if it's the greatest scene. I think it's better than the Avengers fight Avengers scene we're going to get in Age of Ultron. But this is what the fans want to see. They didn't want to necessarily see all the Avengers teaming up together. They wanted to see what's going to happen if Thor has to take on Iron Man. You know, he... He shocks him or whatever, and then increases his suit to 400% capacity, which was kind of a cool little twist. You know, and then everything you talked about earlier with, with the, the fight scene with Thor, Iron Man, everything, and Captain America just drops in without a parachute, of course, and Thor hits his shield with a hammer, and it just blocks everything. So this is Vibranium, which now we know comes from Wakanda and Black Panther, and it can stop even Thor's hammer, which can destroy everything. It's the most powerful object in the universe. Um... I don't know if there's a lot of moments in this fight scene that I love, although I do like kind of the interaction between Thor and Loki here. Is, is Wonder Woman's shield made out of the same thing? Well, considering she's DC and this is Marvel, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. It was blessed with the powers of Zeus. Well, I guess maybe there's a connection to Thor, maybe, with Zeus and all that. But um, I guess one of the lines thrown here, this is where... 
it's funny, but I feel like Iron Man often becomes too much about just the one-liners where he says, like, Doth mother knoweth you weareth her drapes or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of a funny line, but I don't know. I, f- I find in a movie like this where you really have to build the tension, it's hard to feel like there is any tension when one character is just making fun of everybody else. It almost feel like, feels like Tony Stark Iron Man or Robert Downey Jr., is not only trying to steal every scene, and I'm not saying he wrote this, you know, they may have written it for him, or this could have been just playing to, you know, the uh, casual fans or the the kids who liked Iron Man because he was funny, but it feels like from this point on in the movie, it's just Iron Man making every other character look dumb. And that's a complaint I've had with a couple other movies we've covered on here, but uh, that's kind of the first line, which although it's funny, I feel like we get too much of this later on in the movie. But now, anything you want to talk about this scene, which, to remind you, to recap was the, the scene on the airplane, Thor coming in, the fight scene between Iron Man and Thor, Captain America's shield, and doth mother knoweth you weareth her drapes. <laughs> I can't remember now if this, this other note that I have here is now or later. When he's show, on me the, the, show me the note so you don't spoil another scene. When he's on top of the... No, I think that's later. Okay. That's that's the last scene that yeah. That's, okay. Anyways, <laughs> anything you want to talk about those? You want to talk some? Tell us about your shield theory. Wonder Woman and and Captain America are brother <laughs> and sister. <laughs> um, but the fight scene. It was, it was okay. Like it, it wasn't amazing. I don't know. It's it's so weird. It's like just something with Marvel movies where it's just like. The most incredibly average movies you've ever seen. It's not, like, it's not average. It's just, I feel like they've and, made and I, so I, many of and them. And I just, I feel like for me, I don't know, like, I enjoyed the first Iron Man movie, but I just feel like in these movies, he's just annoying. Well, and you're not the only person who's had that opinion. Like I said, Tony Stark, I think, it, it's kind of like Johnny, and it's funny that you say this, kind of like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean, because when Robert Downey Jr. was first cast in Iron Man, we're talking like 2006, and I remember... Everybody talking about Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. That's so stupid. Because uh, this is what's funny. Because I recently made this uh, argument to somebody on the internet who was talking about, um, uh, I guess, the, the fact that Terrence Howard made more money on Iron Man 1 than, Iron, than Robert Downey Jr. did. And uh, they tried to claim it was only because Terrence Howard you know, had signed on earlier and that they wrote a bad contract. And I was making the argument that Terrence Howard was a bigger star. 2005, he was coming off of an Oscar nomination. He's cast in Iron Man. Terrence Howard's a big deal. Robert Downey Jr. had just come off of a supporting role in The Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen. His career was so far in the dumps, it wasn't funny. So when he was cast as Iron Man, people were groaning and complaining. And I kind of compared it at the time to Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean, where nobody really was excited to see Johnny Depp in an action sci-fi Disney movie. But when you saw what he did with it... He brought something really unique and quirky about it, but it does get old after a while. And that's why people really struggle with Johnny Depp in anything anymore, but particularly Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. Do you think that's kind of the same thing with Robert Downey Jr.? Like, it's just a little bit too much at this point? Well, yeah. Like, I think that, you know, this is his first big scene, obviously, after what is it coming out of rehab or whatever he had experienced. And this is the only thing that I know him uh, from. Mm-hmm. Like, or of, or whatever. Like, when I think um, Robert Downey Jr., I just immediately think Iron Man and nothing else. But that's just me. But uh, I just think I'm just like, you know what? It's just too... 
It's somebody who's, and I'm not saying him, I'm saying the character. It's somebody who's just trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's, well, that's not a knock against him. It's not even his acting or anything. It's just, it's the character. At this point, it's like, it's just annoying. Stop I, trying so hard to be funny. I don't know. But the thing is, he is funny in all these scenes. And that's why I'm not going to blame Robert Downey Jr. It was the fact that coming into this, this is the other thing. When people complain about, you know, oh, the DC movies aren't well received. I'm like, look back at the first, because this is going to become, it always becomes this. But I just don't like when people form an opinion, they don't look at history. You look at the DC movies, Man of Steel was fairly well received. Batman vs. Superman, fairly well received around, among fans, not critics. Suicide Squad, kind of divided on both. Wonder Woman, people loved. Uh, Justice League, uh, I guess, fairly well received again among fans, not as much critics, although an improvement. You look at the first few Marvel movies, people loved the first Iron Man. People didn't care so much about the Incredible Hulk. That's kind of one of those average areas. People didn't care at all about the first Thor. They were very indifferent on Captain America First Avenger, and nobody liked Iron Man 2. If you're actually comparing the movies, the track record's exactly the same between the Marvel movies leading up to the Avengers and the DC movies leading up to Justice League. Um, the difference being that first Iron Man movie that everybody just absolutely loved. Because that was the first one, it really was just about, let's get as much Robert Downey Jr. in there as possible, because people forget now, but Thor uh, 1 and... Captain America, the first Avenger, and even the Incredible Hulk, those were modest hits at the box office. Like, we'll go through all the box office on a later episode, um, or maybe I'll even cover some of oh it now. Oh, my God. But, oh, no, Colin. But, no, but just in general, I mean, they were successful movies. You look at the comparison now, Iron Man 1 opened with something like $90 million. The Incredible Hulk opened, I think, around like 50. Uh, Thor and Captain America were both opening around like $60 million, which is decent, but you, for, for nowadays, like, Compared to other movies, DC or Marvel, those were not huge hit movies. Marvel needed the Avengers to work. And that's why I think we get so much Robert Downey Jr. here is because he was so popular in comparison to the others. Because the other movies weren't really, you know, these uh, home runs that, uh, you know, people uh, expect now from Marvel. I can't blame Robert Downey Jr. because every line he has in here is funny. It's just they wrote too much of it. And I do feel it takes away from the other characters. And it, it makes does it become, feel imbalanced. It, it, it becomes too much his show. Uh, and that's an issue with, I'm not even going to say Joss Whedon, even though he wrote the script. That's an issue with we need to, whatever corporate decision was, we need to put so much Iron Man in this movie. Yeah, it just needed to be a little bit more balanced between all the characters. Yeah. Because what's the point in having so many characters or whatever if they're literally just... They're not important. Mm-hmm. You know? It's stupid. So this is where the movie starts to become good. Because I'm complaining a lot up until now. But when Loki gets imprisoned on the helicarrier, that's where I feel like it starts to... It doesn't immediately take off. It starts to slowly take off. And again, a lot of these complaints I'm giving, these are things I'm only noticing now because I feel like there is a bit of overexposure and none of this feels as special as it did in 2012. But now, talk about 2012, everybody likes to joke about Skyfall and the Home Alone comparison to the end, but is this scene with Loki not exactly the same as the scene with Silva in Skyfall? Yeah, it, it's it, it's just Javier Bardem and Tom Hiddleston swapping you know places. That's the only thing that separates them. You have oh, this yeah. this prison, which is a cool idea because you don't find out until later on this prison is built for the Hulk, which I like. But he's in this prison and everything, and uh, it ends up becoming just like in Skyfall. It was all Loki's plan to be put in this prison. 
how he had the schematics and knew <laughs> exactly what the designs were on the ship, who knows, because apparently he's never seen a car before. We established that earlier. But he knew all of this. But still, it's kind of... This is where I think Loki's better. And I remember that was the other thing when, when people started talking after the Avengers came out. A lot of people were saying, you know what? I wasn't really happy with what they did with Loki in the first Thor. But they really got him right in this one. And I feel like they got him even better in Ragnarok. But that wasn't... Loki we see in Ragnarok was an evolution through the movies. It's not like the character from the comics. It's just this role where we have to go to kind of end the character. This that we see in the Avengers is Loki. And, you know, these scenes, like, where um, uh, they they mention, like, uh, here's probably the funniest line of the movie, okay? Uh, I know you're, you're, there's no way you're not going to agree with me on this. And this starts to show the, the early stuff of Chris Hemsworth's comic timing when uh, they're talking about Loki being insane or whatever. And uh, he says, Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Abgisgard, and he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. It was, he's adopted. <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> It's a fantastic line. It's a very good line. And that's why, you know, they should have gotten Joss Whedon to maybe take part in Thor the Dark World or something because as much as people try to complain that he just sort of sidelines Thor in this movie and doesn't care enough about Thor, he was the first guy to really make Thor kind of funny. Mm -hmm. They had humor in the first one, but it wasn't really Chris Hemsworth's humor. It was humor of the situation. This is like Chris Hemsworth can deliver a funny line. Yeah. And that he's strangely enough become the funniest one out of all of them. Um, we get a lot of stuff on the ship here uh, as they're starting to piece together. Now we find out what Banner's there, you know, because of the the gamma radiation and everything. We get the beginning of the Tony Stark Bruce Banner bromance, <laughs> which talk about something else that they put too much in. Uh, that's going to come up here. Um, ah, there we go. I got sidelined for a bit here. <laughs> the Hulk. There's a great scene where they're talking about New York, and he goes, "Sorry, the last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem." So. Broke Harlem. Yeah, another reference to The Incredible Hulk, which I love The Incredible Hulk. I think that's one of the most underrated Marvel movies, uh, especially that whole you know Harlem brawl that they have. Um, they quickly dispense with Natalie Portman, which I'm happy with. I had to make a note on that. She's out of the movie. Um, and then as everybody's kind of talking back and forth, and we get a lot of slow build here as to you know what is this all about, you know, the Tesseract and all that, they start to ask the question, why is it that we're getting the impression that Loki's the only one who actually wants to be here? And in there we have a quick scene with Hawkeye and the Black Widow, and uh, we learn a little bit. We forgot to mention that Jeremy Renner turns into a zombie at the beginning, because that's Jeremy Renner's big complaint about this movie. Um, Black Widow mentions her very special skill set, so she's basically Liam Neeson from Taken. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the scene with Loki's dialogue is just incredible here. Like, this is where... The movie starts cutting back and forth a lot, and I really love the Loki dialogue stuff they have here uh, with the scene with Black Widow and all that. Um, the, I, I guess we're going to say the um, bromance scene that's still to come um, with Tony Stark and, and... Not still to come, I think it already did come. Uh, Tony Stark and Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> we mm -hmm. always confuse the characters' names. That's just boring. I mean, it's way too... Another example of even if you're not it's trying to be funny... Out, yeah, yeah, even if you're not trying to be funny, it's still too much with Iron Man and uh, the Hulk and everything. But they start to go back and forth, and this is where the characters start arguing. Now, this is where the movie still works. This is where it becomes entertaining again. And it's a very clever way that they, they build this tension that Joss Whedon has them going back and forth. And, 
you know, the the whole line that everybody remembers, which again, a perfect example of how Robert Downey Jr. or at least Tony Stark has to steal every scene uh, where they're talking about, uh, you know, take away the suit, what are you? He goes, a uh, billionaire, philanthropist, whatever. Again, he's just sort of tearing down the other characters. Where he says the line, though, is everything special about you came out of a bottle is great. Um, and uh, here's where Hawkeye attacks. So we'll kind of stop right here. If you want to talk about any of those scenes, which I'm already getting from your expression, you don't want to talk about the plain scene. All right, <laughs> we're moving on. Anyway, I just want to say I really love the build. If you want to add anything on that, the whole build between the tension of this group, some great dialogue there, especially with Mark Ruffalo. Like this is where he owns this movie. And I think there wasn't a single person who walked out of this not saying the Hulk is the best thing about this movie. No, not I, just the Hulk, but Bruce Banner. I, I really liked him. He was probably my favorite thing. My only like, okay, thing about the movie. But <laughs> can I talk about this yet? I'll quickly say what happens there. It, so Zombie Hawkeye comes back in. Are you familiar with Jeremy Renner's complaints about this? Mm-mm. So Jeremy Renner signed on, like all these actors, he signed on to play the character long before they even had a movie. Uh, nobody even knew he was going to be in Thor in a cameo until they saw the movie. But he signed on to play Hawkeye, and then he was incredibly disappointed when this movie came out. And he was, again, along with Edward Norton, one of the people that publicly criticized Marvel uh, for basically just turning him into a zombie in this movie. And he's like, I never got to play Hawkeye, which is why they really tried to make it up to him on Age of Ultron. But I don't know if I'm that crazy about Hawkeye the zombie either here, but he kind of leads this attack on the helicarrier. Uh, leads to our first Hulk out, which if the Bruce Banner scene was amazing. The first Hulk out, he becomes a beast. And I think as much as I'm, I guess, a bit of a defender of the Eric Bana Hulk movie, and I'm a big defender of the Edward Norton Hulk movie, the one thing those movies missed was that, yeah, he was a great monster, but he wasn't a beast. He wasn't something where you're terrified of him. And you really get, especially when they start talking about that this prison was made for him, uh, and when he starts putting his hand on Loki's scepter and doesn't even realize it, like how much terror there is, the Hulk is a terrifying beast in this movie. And that's what they miss in Thor Ragnarok. And that's a complaint for, well, we already did another episode, but the Hulk out stuff here is incredible. Uh, Iron Man finally gets sidelined as he just becomes a mechanic. Captain America uh, gets to do a lot of running around and jumping, but he gets his theme that comes back, which I know you loved. Uh, and I guess the big helicarrier battle begins, which is, the first real big battle of this movie. I guess the biggest one that we're going to have up until the climax of this. And this I've got no complaints about. Because it, it, it was weird re-watching this movie. That all the way up until, even though there were a few moments I liked. All the way up until this banter back and forth where they're all at each other's throats. I was just like, why does this movie not work only six years later? And from this point on, like, I really love it. I think that this battle is arguably better than what we even get in the climax. Okay, but you know what I have to complain about, though? Okay, you can stop looking at my notes, okay? okay? I, I, I saw something about hair, so... Yes. <laughs> okay, because you see, you see uh, Thor on top of the airplane, mm-hmm. right? And stuff like that with his majestic long hair. <laughs> majestic. His majestic wig. <laughs> and then he goes on to the plane and still, like, open, so the air is blowing everywhere right Mm -hmm. can we just say like how dumb this is because okay and in your guy okay stop looking at my notes i said well i just realized you may be talking about the previous scene but that that we can include that in here anyways you're a guy so you're probably not really gonna understand this okay but when you have long hair you know uh, well okay guys can have long hair too i don't care it's just colin has short hair right now so that's why i'm saying he doesn't get it but when you're even riding in like a convertible car 
and you have with the hood off. Forget like a freaking airplane, like thousands of meters in the sky or whatever. There is no way that you're just going to have hair like that and, and not have it completely like, especially since you're going all over the place, you're not even one direction, like that it wouldn't be all over his face and in his mouth and everything else like that. Like it, it would look awful. It would look awful. And then all of a sudden, like you're trying to tell me he's up in the air on the airplane. And then he's also in the airplane with the, um, the wind and stuff like that, the air blowing all over the place and his hair just looks perfect. Come on. Well, Get real. What, what, very is the, what, what is this? Point. A hair commercial? Come on. <laughs> it's a very solid point. Like I want to see a where, cut where, of. Where, where's the ponytail? I want to see. Where's the ponytail? I want to see a cut of the Avengers where Thor has one of his big his, his hammers in the air. The lightning comes and strikes, and then a wind gust comes and it starts flapping in his eyes and lands in his mouth. He's like, <coughs> hairball, hairball. Yeah, very awkward. Which is obviously why he decided to cut his hair in Ragnarok. Okay, a couple other things to add on here uh, that we haven't talked about yet just before we wrap up this section on the helicarrier battle here. So <laughs> zombie Hawkeye gets into a fight with Black Widow. Now, I think they try hard in this movie to really set up, uh, I don't know, this friendship between them. They kind of, I thought at the time this movie came out, they allude towards them maybe having had hooked up at some point in the past or maybe that these two were in a relationship or something like that. We find out in Age of Ultron that's not really the case, but uh, do you have a read on what the whole Black Widow-Hawkeye relationship is in this movie, and do you care? Um, it seems like there is some type of history there, but it's funny, actually, because I was just trying to reference my note, um, and it's talking about uh, the fighting scene. It says, with all the lame fighting scenes, I'd rather be watching Mortal Kombat. <laughs> There's not lame fighting scenes. I mean, the Black Widow Hawkeye fight. Come on, is... the Mortal Kombat like fighting scenes are way better. Mortal Kombat's this. a terrible movie. Like I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I grew up in the '90s as well, and I may be the only person. There's two movies out there that everybody who grew up in the '90s thinks is amazing, um, but actually is really terrible. The first is Mortal Kombat. The second is Hackers. Hold on, hold on. I got to do my impression. Your soul is mine. <laughs> Mortal Kombat recap coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, could we get you on to do Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation? I don't know, but I have the, even the TV whatevers. Yeah, the, the web series third part or whatever. I just made, buy, made him buy me the whole Blu-ray collection. And by doing that, I get a $8 off coupon to go see Rampage next week starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson and a giant gorilla. I actually really liked him in Jumanji, but that's another... Yeah, we talked about Jumanji. I wasn't crazy about that one. Uh, Anyways, I don't know. It's tough because the Black Widow-Hawkeye battle, it's the least interesting thing here. I mean, they were both introduced before now, but, I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, nobody's tuning into at least the first Avengers to see Black Widow and Hawkeye. You want to see Captain America. You want to see Thor. You want to see the Hulk. You want to see Iron Man. Uh, You probably want to see Nick Fury more, but, but I don't think anybody really cared about Hawkeye and Black Widow, especially in this movie. And it is weird, like, it's a scene that's still to come, but the scene that we're going to have once Hawkeye turns back, and he has that scene where he's talking with Black Widow, and that's that scene where they kind of allude towards them maybe having a thing. I almost feel like when they got to the second part, they just decided to pivot and do something different, because the storyline we get for Hawkeye in the second movie is almost Joss Whedon's way of making it up to Jeremy Renner. Because Jeremy Renner was very vocal in complaining about how he was handled in this movie. Uh, and then the second movie takes a completely different direction with his character, where they almost seem to forget that there was any 
history, or they, they sort of change, at least the way I read it, they change the way that these two characters are. But I'm not going to say the battle's bad. It's just, it's and not it, on the same level. It makes sense about the whole relationship thing, though, because when you watch them, it just seems like, you know... Like, they want to get it on. No, it just seems like, well, maybe... It's kind of like watching Tony Stark and Bruce Bruce Banner together. Like, they just want to get it on. No, it, it seems like maybe something did happen in the past or whatever, but there's no chemistry there right now. Like, mm-hmm. nothing. And so then again, it's like, you are pretending like you're holding these strings like I'm supposed to be excited about something and this is so lame. Mm-hmm. Anyways, go on, honey. What's the next? <laughs> um, quickly, we have not a big battle. I mean, I think people maybe were expecting something bigger considering we did get, you know, that uh, Thor versus Captain America versus Iron Man battle. We get the Thor versus Hulk 30 seconds in this movie, uh, which basically amounts to the the hammer... And the Hulk not being able to lift the hammer, which, you know, that'll come back in the next movie a little bit more. But uh, not that we get much out of the Thor and the Hulk, but uh, there is a fun moment, which um, I actually have... I've seen this movie probably a half dozen times already. Uh, watch it at least once a year. And I've never caught this, where the, the helicopter's trying to attack him and shooting him, and they're basically saying, target engage. And then as they realize the bullets are doing nothing to the Hulk, and he turns around and jumps on the plane, the guy's like, target angry, target angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I said that. I repeated it. I know. I just, gave caught... you, I just gave you credit 20 seconds ago saying I never caught that line. Oh, uh, no. Well, that me- yeah, but <laughs> well now that you mentioned it, I guess I am you're responsible. You're saying I never caught that line before. Yeah, you never, well, you never caught it because I just told you. Yeah, I mean... You, you tell me a lot of things, like that Mortal Kombat's a decent movie to watch. And, hey, Colin, you want to know what we should watch before bed? Mortal Kombat. You know I get what? 15 minutes into it, and I'm like, don't ever play that movie for me again. I get really excited when I tell you about something that you actually don't know yet, because you kind of do actually know everything. So when I tell you something that well, you... Well, not to brag. <laughs> but I get excited when I, when I you know, there's this new like movie trailer out or whatever else, and I'm like the first one to see it. I get so excited. <laughs> But most of the time, what ends up happening is I think I'm first, and then I go to you, and you're like, yeah, I already watched it like, three times. <laughs> Did you know that there's an Avengers 3 coming out? Yeah. No, that was me imitating something that you would bring up. Anyways, I know. I ask not... questions like that. Like, did you know they're getting rid of the penny? Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, if people don't know, in Canada, we got rid of the penny several years ago, and Jamie was the last person to know. <laughs> you just realized one day, has it been a while since I got a penny back? <laughs> People keep shortchanging me at the grocery store. I don't know why. <laughs> it's been happening for about five years. But, um, anyways, just wrapping up this whole section, because there's a lot that goes on during this, and I do love the whole sequence, like everything that happens on here. Um, the Captain America Iron Man stuff, I mean, this is them kind of... Be, there's always going to be somebody who's pushed aside. This is more about the Hulk, I think, uh, than anything else, and even about Loki, because we do get... Uh, uh, some with Loki, which will come up in a second, because I know you you're, you you definitely had questions about that. But Captain America gets to do a lot of jumping and grabbing stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he gets his music played from the first Avenger, which is still the best theme that Marvel has ever had. Probably the only really great theme that they've had along with the Avengers. Uh, credit to Alan Silvestri for both of those. Uh, but uh, Iron Man gets to push a propeller <laughs> for about ten minutes straight. Uh, I don't have much to talk about in here, except if you want to comment on. I don't know if you will comment on it, but are you familiar with, I guess, the issues people had with Captain America's outfit? No. Okay, so what did you think of his outfit? Because I know you have I already told you my opinion. I said he was too clothed. <laughs> no, about you about how he looked in his uniform? He was too clothed. 
He was too covered up. No, you were you were commenting about how good his tight pants looked on him in it. Oh, I did comment about that. Um, so I'm going to bring up two pictures here, and you can tell me what you think. Now, everybody knows Captain America's uniform in the first Avenger was meant to look retro. It was meant to look like something out of the 40s. Um, but Joss Whedon kind of had them redesign it for Avengers, and people weren't too happy about it. And I, I don't know. I got to be honest. It does look kind of weird. And Joss Whedon is obviously like a bigger Captain America fan uh, than he is any of these characters. But like if we look at what he looked like here in this, you know, it's a little bit corny, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, it's got the star on it. It's got the stripes and everything. When we get to the Winter Soldier, it's more combat gear. So in the Winter Soldier, people weren't happy with the outfit that they had. They thought maybe it was too retro. I think there's something kind of weird about the eye holes. <laughs> that, that's what I was going to say. The top just for some reason does not work for me. Yeah. Um, but if we look at even the first Avenger here. And there's some things, to be honest with you, with comic book that just don't translate well to like a movie screen. Well, and, and here's the thing. Uh, this is... I'm not going to say it's an issue, but... Somehow the but, outfit but even, in the first Avenger, it was... Yeah, I was going to say even even that. It's, it's slightly kind, darker. It's kind of the same outfit, but it's just so much better. And well, I don't it was, know why. Yeah, I mean, they made it almost too bright in the Avengers. Um, it's basically the same thing, except, I don't know, maybe the, the muscle definition is different. It, it just, it looks like combat gear in the other movies. It didn't in the Avengers movie, and people weren't happy about that. He was, he was going to a Comic-Con. <laughs> he did look like he was going to a Comic-Con, yeah. But you obviously... Um, were not happy with him having clothes at all. Um, we're going to remedy that pretty soon with one of the other actors in here. Oh, uh, boy. We'll talk about Loki here. Like, this is a sequence. Usually we will group several scenes together. Here we're going to talk about everything individually. So Loki is in his prison. We sort of start to see after a while the whole hologram thing coming up. Now, was this confusing to you, like, seeing the hologram? Because we did see it earlier in the movie. Yeah, I asked you about that. I'm like, how is he doing that? And yeah. I just didn't even remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was from the earlier scene where you saw the hologram. But that's also... I think this is one of the reasons why people were happier with Loki's portrayal in this. Because Loki is supposed to be... Uh, I don't know what the official title is, like the god of tricks or something like that. But he's, like, he's a trickster. He, it's all about... The equivalent in DC would be, you know, the character of Mixelpitalik? Yeah, I was going to say, I can't say his name, but I know who it is. Yeah, I think Loki's technically the god of mischief. But... The idea is that you see this guy who's just constantly appearing and reappearing over and over again. I feel like that kind of fits what Loki is. And also the whole hologram thing. This is kind of showing what we're going to see a couple months later done, I think, even better in Skyfall, which is you know where Javier Bardem put himself in prison and it was all his plan all along. Uh, and you realize here, I guess, Loki's whole plan was it was just to put himself in that position so that they he could antagonize these people enough and unleash the Hulk. And... Uh, I guess it's all about... It really is a completely convoluted plot on Loki's part, but it's just to divide everybody. But when they drop him, then we see what the, the prison is actually there for because he switches places. Thor gets stuck in the prison. Yeah. And they drop this prison. Now, that is a visually stunning sequence. And it's brief, but there are a lot of things, especially in modern movies where you have big special effects, which just becomes... I don't know, like visual noise on the screen. It's just too much and too much to process. But this, seeing him floating around... I remember, this... you, I remember you were like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. I think it's a great sequence. And, you know, the fact that the hammer's flying around and everything, and that he gets out of there, like, just at the right minute, 
which also raises a question we do see later on that Thor can get stabbed and bleed. So you got to wonder how he can crash into the ground from 30,000 feet after being trapped in a glass prison and not have a scratch on him. But the sequence is incredible. Uh, so anything else you want to add on any of the stuff the Avengers do here leading to the end of the, the movie? Um, I mean, I do have lots of notes, but my next note is actually a, about that guy dying. Oh, that's see, I completely forgot about that. Okay, so I, I, and I figured you did. That's yeah. why I'm like, did you? Did so Loki, and and, 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 and and that's see, that's funny that you actually completely forgot and skipped over it because my note is, why do I care this guy died? <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting, you should say that. Uh, okay, so a couple things happen. So just to recap, what happens in the scene? Uh, as Loki's in there unveiling his master plan and everything, Coulson comes in, who, if you haven't that's, watched... That's the guy who died, right? Right. Okay. Uh, if, died. <laughs> but if you haven't been watching all the other Avengers movies leading up to this, you wouldn't realize that this is the character that connects all the movies. He's the guy who recruits all the Avengers. He appeared in the first Iron Man movie. You didn't know who he was, but he kept... Uh, uh, I guess introducing himself to Tony Stark, trying to get him to meet because he's from the strategic homeland uh, inter uh, provincial uh, (laughs) excellence logistics division or something like that. (laughs) Awesome name. Yeah, but you only find at the end of the movie this character who keeps trying to recruit him for something. He's like, yeah, you got to do something about that long name. So just call a shield. So he's the guy who's been recruiting them throughout all the movies. Now, where he kind of developed his reputation was... Are you familiar with the one-shots that Marvel does? Mm, no. They do these short films. I don't know if they've done them in a while, but these short films that are like maybe five, six minutes long, they usually get added as bonus features on Blu-rays and DVDs. And he had this one one-shot where he was... It was basically a lead-in to the Thor movie because... Um, I can't remember what was it Iron Man two or something like that. The the post credit scene was he shows up and he's he's calling Nick Fury or whatever and he's like oh uh, we found it and you see the hammer in the desert and that's when you realize Thor's there. There's a one shot he had where you have this character who's just the guy in a business suit, very small guy. Clark Gregg who plays him is a comedian more than anything else. He's not really an action star. And one of the five to six minute shorts they did the one shot for him was basically him at a gas station just going crazy as like this massive action hero. And he kind of developed a following from that on top of the fact that he's just got brilliant dry delivery. So he he did matter, I think, in a weird way. Um, the way the death scene happens here is that he uh, comes in, Loki's giving one of his big speeches, and this is where they handle Loki so well again in this movie. Joss Whedon, like, you mock some of the writing in this movie. There is some bad writing, but there's also some great writing. When Loki goes on one of his speeches about him being like this, you know, incredible, brilliant mind and a god, and he has them exactly who wants them. And he's talking about, Coulson's talking about this gun that, he's <laughs> like, even I don't know what it does. And then he ends up getting taken out, and you think he's dead, only to have Loki caught in mid-speech getting blasted. And he goes, so that's what that thing does. Like, again, great comic timing that only Joss Whedon could really make work in these movies. He dies... You say, why do I care he dies? Now, funny thing about that is that he doesn't die. Um, because Spoilers! A, a couple years later, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. debuts, and you realize he was alive all along, and he's the main star of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still to this day. Um, the reason that I think that's a bit, I'm not going to say controversial, but the Marvel movies, as many fans as there are out there, and sometimes it's obnoxious how fans refuse to admit certain faults of these movies... The Marvel fans will all admit several things. One, Marvel do not do good villains. 
And another, Marvel do not raise the stakes because nobody dies. And maybe that's a result of Disney owning it. But the only deaths, we've had two deaths in all of these Avengers movies. We had Coulson die here. Mm -hmm. And then we have Quicksilver die in Age of Ultron. Sorry for the spoiler for people who haven't seen it. They just kind of reset stuff to wherever they want. Like even with X-Men and stuff like that too. it's It's kind of the same thing. Well, with X Men, it's like, oh, we don't actually really want to go this direction anymore. Mm, let's just but basically the thing is, not is explain it. They just, just make them still alive. It's not even so much that because the X Men movies will at least go as far as to kill somebody, and maybe they'll bring them back two movies later. Like it took quite a while for them to bring back. I mean, Patrick Stewart was dead uh, th- from the end of three until Days of Future Past. Uh, but with the Marvel movies, it's different that they don't even take the chances. And I remember when the first. This is more discussion for the next one, but. Just a tease we'll get into. Um, when they were getting ready for the second phase of movies after Avengers 1 came out, they basically said, a lot of these characters are not going to survive to the Infinity War. And they killed one more character, Quicksilver, who's the most meaningless character. So they basically, in two movies, have killed one out of two people who had deaths on screen. They actually brought one person back. So a fault with the Marvel movies, we know at this point, based on that criticism, uh, that they're going to overcorrect maybe and kill everybody in infinity war but we'll see can we talk about now when hulk um when hulk falls from the sky well you want to talk about what happens after he falls which i'll get to in a second um so to go along with the whole colson deaths here we have nick fury basically giving the motivational speech um there's a huge plot hole here where he's talking about, you know, there was an idea about, and this is the trailer speech about uh, an initiative. He's talking about the Avengers initiative, about bringing together the Earth's mightiest heroes and everything. Um, and he says only Tony Stark knows about this, which is completely false, <laughs> because at the end of Iron Man 1, he says to Sony, Tony Stark, we're putting together a team or whatever, or I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. In The Incredible Hulk, Tony Stark is already trying to recruit General Ross who is the guy after the Hulk. In Iron Man 2, Black Widow is already working with Nick Fury and I believe is present when he tells him, oh, that whole Avengers thing, Tony, you're out of it. Captain America has been brought into this. Um, Everybody knows. I mean, based on these movies, everybody should know. And then Nick Fury just backpedals and says, only Tony knows about this, but everybody would know. I know you have no real opinion on that. No, I really don't. All right, but... This is the whole thing to bring together the team, the thing with the cards, uh, the, 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 the trading cards with the blood on it and stuff like that. Uh, let's get to what Jamie wants to talk about here. Uh, we find out what happened to the Hulk after he jumped on that airplane. There's a giant hole in the ground, and we see naked Bruce Banner. So Heck some, yeah. So, um, so <laughs> something, you have this weird guy there who's really hilarious uh where he says are you an alien and uh, he goes no and he's like well then son i'm afraid to tell you you have a condition <laughs> <laughs> i know i wrote the down to the same quote yeah oh um, shoot i dropped my pen oh no what are you gonna do write more notes you've yeah. got half a page already yeah i know <laughs> uh anyways so he gives clothes for banner to put on which if you notice does not include underwear so bruce banner goes throughout the course of this movie Wearing pants with no underwear. Well, come on. He's just going to Hulk out again and basically just rip the underwear and the pants. Can you think about the penis chafing that he's going to get in dry jeans on a Hulk? 
Uh, you know what? Actually, Dong? actually, I really can't because uh, <laughs> I don't have a penis, so I don't know what that feels like. Uh, I have. Well, I can tell you, it would be uncomfortable. I have completely a hundred percent the opposite. I even am him, a woman. I even, have had a child. <laughs> I am a hundred percent a woman. Even even him riding that motorcycle in the end, all I could think to myself is he put on jeans with no underwear. Like that is going to be really uncomfortable. I have ovaries. All right, well, you want to talk about Mark Ruffalo here? He's really hot, and he made <laughs> he made my ovaries scream. Okay, that's graphic, but okay. Uh, this is my question. My okay? ovaries were crying. <laughs> this is my question. Okay, I said Mark Ruffalo easily in like my top five favorite actors. He's up there with Christian Bale, Joel yeah, Ed- Joel Edgerton. He's hot too. I know you, we've gone through this. Christian Bale, Joel Edgerton, Michael Fassbender. I have the same taste in men as you. <laughs> yeah, they're all hot. But I'm a huge Mark Ruffalo fan. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've been a huge Mark Ruffalo fan since the early 2000s. I mean, before he really made it big with anything. I guess he had had a couple of major roles. He was in the movie The Last Castle with Robert Redford. I think he got didn't get an Oscar nomination. But he did a movie called You Can Count on Me, uh, which was probably his big breakthrough movie. Anyways, I've been a huge fan of it since then. Like I said, I would get like really terrible straight-to-video movies that he would do just because Mark Ruffalo was in them. I was shocked several years later to find out that women found Mark Ruffalo attractive. I'm not saying the guy looks unattractive, but it's just one of these weird things where it's like Mark Ruffalo arguably has a bigger female fan base than Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, Robert Downey Jr., Jeremy Renner, Samuel L. Jackson, so on, so Clark Gregg. I don't know, you <laughs> the, know, like maybe part, Stanley. <laughs> maybe part of it is like he's just, he looks like su- just like such a regular guy. Like he doesn't look like he's he glamorous. very ordinary. Yeah, like he doesn't look like he's glamorous, but at the same time there's something charming and, and the fact that he's nerdy and type of personality i don't know like just just every day like humble like you know i could meet this guy on a tinder date as ben would say <laughs> <laughs> and like you know meet meet him at like the keg or whatever and you know yeah hook, yeah hook up and enjoy it and marry him and have really nice looking babies yeah i'd like to say that i could but you know instead i i found you and i love you honey all right thank you yeah I w- I'd like to say that I have um, uh, a way to combat Jamie's um, inappropriateness with shirtless Marvel men on this episode, except I'm not a fan of Scarlett Johansson. I'm not a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, maybe if we can go back and watch the first Avenger, we could talk about Haley Atwell. But uh, You know, I know this is another subject, but because I, I just want to make sure that I actually understand. Okay. I, I know that I said Tinder, but actually I don't really fully know what is it. Is that the app where you sw- swipe left or right if you like someone and basically it's to hook up to sleep with them? I think so, yeah. I've oh. never used it again myself. Isn't that pretty much like free prostitution? <laughs> well, I mean, pro- if, if, if you're paying the other person, if it's like swipe right and, you know, enter your PayPal account. <laughs> no, but it's like free because it's like you're like swiping left or right and you're like... Do I want to bang you with my penis? Do I want to bang you with my vagina? Oh. Well, one, well, one of each. It depends who you are, okay? One of each? <laughs> who has two out there? Who has both? No. You know what I mean. I'm saying if you're a guy, you're a guy. And if you're a girl, you're a girl. All right. Well, I know which one I am. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just weird to me because it's like if you don't know the person, well, what if they're, like, crazy and they'll, like, murder you halfway and it's, like. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, um, anyway. Anyways. It's like, hey, I, I, I filled your condom with arsenic. Uh, <laughs> like, well, I don't even know if that would work. I mean, 
We need Ben on here to talk about Tinder. Ben Ben's a happily um, committed man. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he did not meet Mallory on Tinder either. I don't, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe I, mean, I don't. I don't think his PayPal account has that much, so I don't think it counts as prostitution. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, we need to get back to the episode now. I'm sorry. All right. Um, but anyways, I was surprised to find out that women loved Mark Ruffalo. He's just—he's really and hot. That—that that was before he started romantic comedy. That he's in is in Thirteen Going On Thirty. I agree. I love Mark Ruffalo in Thirteen Going On Thirty. It's an amazing movie. We have the same taste, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it helps that you have your really hot eye candy in that movie too with Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Well, you kind of have a really big thing for her. Yeah. Well. A really big thing. I don't know. I'd swipe right, uh, right or left. I don't know right or left. Which one is it? I—I I, I don't know. I'd swipe. I've never downloaded the app. I would enter my PayPal info. Okay. Um, anyway, so Naked Banner, which uh, women probably enjoyed more than Naked anybody else. I was waiting for that the whole movie. Um, What's your next note? <laughs> oh, can I tell you what my next note is? What? Where it's where it was this this quote here, this awesome quote. I want to have an I want to have a cool quote to tell people. All right. I love the quote where it says, "I have an army." And then he's like, "We have a Hulk." We have a That's, Hulk. All right, so we're not there yet, but um, <laughs> do you want me to edit that in later? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but it was a great line. You're it right. It was a great line. It was uh, so awesome. The Avengers come together. They talk about how Loki is not going to just you know take the Tesseract or whatever and you know do this or whatever. He wants an audience. They figure it's going to be New York City. Uh, they know exactly where he's going to be. Um, we have Maria Hill giving the uh, line about those cards were in his locker, sir, and you realize Nick Fury's manipulated them all, which Nick Fury's a really interesting character, and I think there are a lot of areas where these Marvel movies are making it up as they go along, but there's other things where you could tell they had a plan from the beginning and they followed it through, and I think Nick Fury's the best example of that, because here, there's nothing really shady about S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm I'm looking at him and I'm wondering. Sorry, I know it's kind of off subject, but I'm wondering like how his actual like eye patch thing. It's like completely like in the middle of his head. Like how the heck does that stay on? I mean, we'll find out in Captain Marvel because that movie's going to take place 20 years earlier than this, and that's going to feature Nick Fury in the 90s. I think he literally super glues it to his head. There's (laughs) no way. There's no way that's natural. Maybe. I wonder how Thor does his now. I mean, I wonder if they can swap eye patches. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I see you got the latest model there, Thor. You know, you mind if I try it on? Well, and like, why bother? I don't know. With an eye patch? Yeah. Because nobody wants to look at an empty socket with veins dangling. So just just get like a glass eye. Lots <laughs> of lots of people have glass eyes. So it's gonna go all wonky and sideways in the middle of him trying to give a motivational speech. So well, there was an idea about the Avengers, sir, sir, you're cross-eyed again. Hold on a second. <laughs> There we go. You just literally almost put your finger on my nose. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I just slapped myself in the head. Uh, my apologies that my finger grazed your nose. Um, anyways, so... No, but seriously, like, script- why, why doesn't he just have a glass eye? I don't know. Every, anyway, everyone has glass eyes. This episode is easily going to be three hours now. <laughs> Not having Ben would help. But, by the way, did, did you? And I know I don't... It's my next line, but it's kind of in the same thing. Did you also notice how... Um, when Captain America was down on the ground and he was talking to the police officers, officers and everything, how just like everybody just listened to That's Captain America. Not, okay, but we're not there yet. Oh, uh, we'll get there quickly. Um, 
So the whole cards and locker thing, I know you make fun of this script, but in parts, not in a whole. I mean, this movie definitely could use maybe a, a rewrite or two to take care of some of the really bad dialogue. But in parts, the script is really good. And that speech they have about, you know, we're not soldiers or whatever. And uh, uh, the whole thing we get with the cards being in the locker. Like, there's some great dialogue in this movie. And even the bad dialogue, I mean, the actors make the most of it or whatever. But we're going to be getting close to the climax here, which we'll basically have to break up into two parts. But, um... Uh, I don't know. Um, anything you want to add here? You want to talk more about Naked Banner? No. Uh, I actually was uh, going to talk about the next thing here. But no, let's let's hold off. Ahead. Let's hold off. See, what I'm going to do, you guys, is I'm just going to point to my paper so I don't ruin this episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> too late for that. <laughs> okay, what's next? Well, funny you should ask, Jamie, because next up is the scene that you almost spoiled already. So... Uh, well, we're almost there, I guess. So now we're basically heading into the, the climax. Um, we find out that the Tesseract's basically being powered by the arc reactor here at uh, Stark Towers, S-T-A-R-K. Mm-hmm. All five letters still intact. And uh, Tony Stark flies in in the Iron Man suit. And it's kind of cool here that the suit's glitchy. You know, the, the rockets keep going on and off. And uh, it's sort of shooting all over the place. I would have liked it if they maybe did this closer to the end of the climax instead. You know, just so... Stop saying that word. It's the word. It's what it's referred to. What, what, what do you call the finale of a movie? A- anytime you say that, I always think of something else. That's because you're a filthy person, and I'm not. <laughs> Anyways. So the beginning of the climax here. Oh my gosh. We get the scene that you talked about earlier, where Tony Stark flies into Loki... And uh, they have the speech sure again. I hope he doesn't. Well, they have, they have this this scene with which again you mock some of the dialogue in this movie, but you you can't deny there's some great dialogue here, especially the one line that I guess the the exchange back and forth between Loki and Stark. Uh, you know the line. You've got it written down there. You want to say it again? I have an army. We have a Hulk. Yeah, great line. Uh, probably one of the most famous parts of this entire movie. Uh, but there's a lot of good stuff in there, and I like that he kind of sets up the whole team here, and it's another moment where you can see Joss Whedon's love for Captain America shining through, because he's talking about, you know, uh, uh, well, first I like that they, he says, oh, the Avengers is what we call ourselves, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, <laughs> he even drops the Earth's Mightiest Heroes line in there. Um, he talks about, you know, we've got your brother, the demigod, and then he says the super soldier, and I swear, he goes on for like three or four sentences about who's amazing, who's incredible, who's way greater than the legend that uh you know you thought he would have been he just totally oversells captain america i mean you can't oversell him because captain america is amazing but still uh he goes uh, uh another man with a breathtaking anger management issues <laughs> and then he just sort of loosely goes uh, a pair of assassins and then i have an army we have a hulk i love that he just sort of brushes off oh a pair of assassins again like is anybody tuning into this movie for the black widow and hawkeye no not really so uh uh this exchange of dialogue here, like, are you going to give this any credit outside of that one line? No. You Come on. This is great. There's a lot of great dialogue in here. Like, Tony Stark's speech, you know, Loki, his, just the arrogance that he has. I don't know. I mean, again, like, I just think the movie's okay. Uh, well, I like that line, though. You like the one line. All right, we nailed down one line you like in the movie. Um, so... There's the the line that he has about a uh, man having performance issues where Loki's staff doesn't work yes. <laughs> against yes. his heart, which I don't know the reason for that. I mean, can they you never out? they never explained it. It's probably hidden somewhere in one of the movies, or there's a one shot on it uh, or something. I don't know, but um, 
the big fight starts here, and this is where Tony Stark gets thrown out the window, and the suit follows him. Now, this was really cool. 2012, this was really cool to see a suit fly after Tony Stark and just take him over and suit him up, you know, I guess diving hundreds of feet down to the street. And then they totally blew it in Iron Man 3, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a preview episode, where they just used 40,000 suits <laughs> over the course of a two-hour movie. Uh, but here it's still cool. And this basically begins the climax. Oh, jeez. Um, the action battle starts here, and you have uh, uh, Selvig, the scientist, the dad of Tarzan, and Pennywise the clown here, who is... Uh, uh, I guess operating this portal or whatever, you have Thor show up and he's telling him to turn off the Tesseract. They're like, oh, it's self-sustaining now. They're not going to happen. Whole portal opens up. So I guess what we'll talk about here uh, is, I know you're not going to have many notes on this, but um, you have the beginning of this battle here uh, just before Captain America comes in. I guess Captain America comes in here uh, along with Hawkeye and Black Widow. We don't really get the introduction of the Hulk yet. But the beginning of this battle here, now the main thing I want to talk about is just this battle. If you had to describe this battle, how would you describe it? Mm, I don't know. It's such a weird question. What do you I mean, mean well, how? If, if you had to say, how does the Avengers climax, <laughs> what I is roll. it? What is it? Mm, probably the Hulk. No, no. I mean, the whole battle. If you had to describe the battle... Like, what do you see in the battle? What is it? What what makes it up? Like, in Star Wars, it is about blowing up the Death Star. It's a bunch of planes flying, blowing up the Death Star. They're, what is this They're battle? trying to stop these aliens. Well, that's the story, through. but what I'm going for here oh is... Oh my just, gosh, just it's tell just, me what you want me to say. <laughs> it's just mass destruction of a city, right? Yeah. That would be a fair way of describing it. By the way, I don't think you even touched on this line. I'm surprised that you didn't, because I know it, it's well, like your favorite whatever, line. Whatever you're about to say, I guarantee it's probably coming up in five minutes, and we haven't talked about it yet. This line. Uh, let me see. Yeah, that's still to come. That's, oh my gosh, okay. See, if you listen to what I'm saying, you'd know. I just finished <sighs> saying... The Hulk hasn't been introduced you into got, this you yet. You guys, this is why I don't make notes, because when I do make notes, I screw everything up. Well, you can also just remember, too, and pay attention. It has nothing to do with the notes. The notes are solid. You just weren't listening to what I was saying when I was asking about the climax, and uh. I specifically said, Hulk hasn't been introduced yet. We've got Iron Man, we've got Loki, we've got Thor, we've got Captain America, we've got Black Widow. Anyway, sorry. Go on. All right, I'll, I'll let you have that line, though, um, because there's more debates. But this is what I don't want to talk about. The climax here is just mass destruction of all of New York City. Now, I think the Avengers kind of has gotten blamed for this over the years, for uh, this just becoming too common among movies, when really it was the last movie. It was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back. This has been going on for movies for years. This is kind of that decade's big thing. It's just huge destruction of a city. You see it in Transformers uh, 3, at least, uh, and tons of other movies. It's just, let's destroy an entire city. And the Avengers comes out here in 2012, and people are like, I love the movie, but I'm kind of done with this whole destruction of a city. Because, I don't know, in a way, it kind of, at least I feel, it lowers the stakes when they're just destroying buildings. And, and you actually start to think to yourself, how many thousands of people are dying there that we're not even really paying attention to? I, I hadn't thought of the same thing. Like, you know, how you much. probably have a note on it somewhere. Yeah. How, I wonder how much damage they caused to the city in the process. Yeah. And see, you're not really, you know, keeping up with people's opinions of the franchise or anything like that. So you wouldn't stop to think, oh, well, th this is what the internet says. The internet says these movies are just too big on destroying cities now. 
you know, unfortunate for even Man of Steel, that came out, uh, I guess, just almost exactly a year after this. And they'd already filmed their destruction of Metropolis uh, before this came out. And if you actually notice both sequels, The Age of Ultron and then Batman vs. Superman, because of the backlash of the whole destruction of cities, which really came from a dozen other movies before Avengers and Man of Steel, uh, everybody's sort of toning it down now, which is why we see in uh, Age of Ultron, it's a small city. <laughs> it's not a giant city. It's a small city, and it's floating in the air, which makes no sense. Uh, and then in Batman vs. Superman, uh, it was you know part of Metropolis, but they were basically like deserted buildings and stuff, and it was clear nobody was there. Um, and then in Justice League, we go even further, obviously, and it's a city with a population of three, and those three people get out. But I don't know. Do, you made the note on that, but is it something that you've noticed in a lot of movies? Is it something that bothers you? Uh, do you prefer a movie where they're not destroying an entire city and it's just more of a, I guess, a private personal battle? Um, it doesn't really like matter to me. It doesn't bother me, but watching it, I'm just like, well, it, and the thing is, is you just got to take it for what it is. You watch it and you're like, you know, in the real world, if heroes did this, you know, who's going to be responsible for all the aftermath type of thing. But mm -hmm. it's like, but this isn't the real world. It's just a comic book. Like, it's just a story. Yeah. But I think it's just when it's happened in a dozen movies before this, it does eventually become too much for an audience. You know, we were talking earlier this morning about horror movies and, you know, this movie, The Quiet Place that just came out is getting like great reviews and it's, we'll have a review coming up on it soon, but it's a great movie. And one of the reasons is because they have restraint. They don't show so much. And it's scarier where you don't see so much. And I think in a way you could say the same for action movies, even though I think it looks visually spectacular to have an entire building destroyed. When it's a blink and you miss a thing, you don't have time to appreciate it. So when you have a movie like this where it's just all out battle and buildings collapsing and cars exploding and you're just thinking to yourself how many people are dying and you don't even have a chance to really dwell on it, it really loses the effect. So I don't think it was even so much the backlash of... I've seen this in a million other movies. It's just, is this the most effective way to climax a movie? Jeez, oh, come on. Pick a different word. <laughs> Nothing else you want to add on that? Uh, the Chitari? What do you think about the Chitari as aliens? Meh. 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 <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it was. I'm going to have to... They weren't really memorable. It was just like, eh, they're okay. Yeah, I'll forgive my typing as... Uh... I mean, like, you just... You gotta, you gotta think of it this way. Like, and I know, obviously... You know, this is Marvel, and the thing that I'm talking about was DC, but you talk, take, uh, what is that, uh, Justice League. Mm -hmm. And you have those, like, little, like, bat-winged creatures. The parademons, yeah. Yeah, and, like, those are memorable. Mm -hmm. You kind of get introduced to them, you see them through the movie, you get to know a little bit about them, you care. These, it's like, meh, who cares? So, I'm showing you right now what everybody thought we were going to be seeing, not the Chitari. Um, but everybody thought we were going to be seeing the Skrulls in this movie, which I guess are primarily from like the Fantastic Four, but you see them in different, uh, um, different Marvel movies and stuff like that. And I think the, it doesn't really matter one alien race. I mean, they're just faceless villains. They're stormtroopers. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why George Lucas put a helmet on stormtroopers because it's a lot easier for you to accept somebody dying like that. And here we kind of see the, like these Chitari, they kind of just get, you know, shut down and stuff like that. I don't know if like they're, you know, part cyborg part alien or who who knows what but uh the original idea was not the original idea but the original idea that fans had was they thought it would be the scrolls that were the alien race here um but still i mean i think the ships are cool even if the aliens are just sort of generic we see the giant slug ship which enters and this is where like captain america enters in the movie 
and through the portal, you know, we had these tiny ships come, and we got them flying all over the place and shooting. Then this giant slug ship that has a mouth that opens and <laughs> closes, which is a really cool visual. That comes in. Uh, and, you know, we had that line, which I kind of skipped over earlier in the movie, where um, Captain America was saying, there's nothing you could show me that's going to surprise me anymore because he's been asleep for 70 years. So, you know, him looking at, I don't know, uh, a smartwatch <laughs> is going to blow his mind. So it's like, oh, you're not going to show me anything that's going to surprise me anymore. I, you know, now I've seen it all. Uh, and then once the helicarrier takes off, there's that moment where he hands him the twenty dollars. So this, I thought this would have been a good payoff for that instead, where you know you see this giant slug ship coming, in and you really sell how incredible that is. Uh, because again, with the whole Chitari here, uh, even with this giant slug ship coming in, I don't think it really has that much effect. Uh, and it's not really a criticism of the movie. I just think that, I mean, it is just we're seeing so much at this point that maybe it doesn't have that much of effect. Um, but, uh, we have the, the brief one with Thor trying to tor- turn Loki here. Um, you have the, we do this as a team speech. This is Captain America basically taking command. So you started to talk about this earlier. Uh, Captain America comes in and he's telling all the police officers, do this, do this, and this, this, and then why should we listen to you? You know, and then obviously everything looks crazy and they just start following his instructions. But this is, I guess, the beginning of Captain America, and this is what excited me most when I saw it in the theater. More than anything else in this movie, when you had that moment of Captain America shouting orders and everything, uh, even just the police officers, let alone when he does it, you know, we do this as a team to the rest of the Avengers later on, uh, that's like the the leader moment. And Captain America really is the leader of the Avengers. And that was, I, I guess, also the first moment we really get to see Captain America as Captain America. But this is where Banner comes in here. Um, we'll stop just to talk about this moment here because there's going to be a bit of a discussion before we move on to the rest of the climax. <laughs> but uh, as he's given all the orders and everything, Banner rides in on his motorcycle with his chafing jeans with no underwear. <laughs> and you realize he's in on this too. He can take off his pants. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but now we have the line. So you know what the line is here. Uh, do you want me to do the setup? Yeah. All right, so the setup is... Sorry, let's not do the setup. I don't remember how it leads into it, but it's basically like... You you don't even remember. the secret thing, right? Yeah, and he says, that's my secret. I'm always angry. Okay, so are you aware of how much controversy this line caused when the movie came out? No. It's really weird that so many people got upset about this because they said it doesn't make sense. He's always angry. What does that mean, right? Now... I'll tell you my read on it. I'll also let you take a guess as to why people are upset at the line, I'm always angry. Mm, I don't know, because if you're always angry, wouldn't you always be the Hulk type of thing? Is that what people are thinking? No, well, really? Okay, I think it ultimately comes down to this. It comes down to what's the most famous line about the Hulk. What is If you were to associate one line with Spider-Man, it's with great power comes great Hulk responsibility. Smash. I'm not talking about the Hulk's line, but like, follow what I'm saying here. This is the moment where you've got to pay attention to what I'm saying <laughs> as you roll your eyes. Um, Spider-Man, the most famous line is, with great power comes great responsibility. Superman, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane, right? Uh, I don't know what Hulk is. Well, if I were to say, don't... Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Right. Now, it's not like this is a line that comes from the comic books. People are kind of 
clinging to that line about the, the, we've heard for decades now about don't make me angry you wouldn't like when I'm angry and that actually just comes from the TV show that started in the 70s with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno and the idea that people got so upset over this line I'm always angry saying it doesn't make sense probably had more to do with the fact that they've just been told for years don't make me angry you wouldn't like me when I'm angry but do you remember the Incredible Hulk movie at all with Edward Norton? Yeah. Like, you remember how that movie started? Like, what were some of the things he was doing in that? Like, he was doing anger uh, management. He was doing meditation. It was all about bringing himself down. And if you actually pay attention to Hulk, most of the time it's about bringing himself down and not, oh, I got to turn into Hulk now. Let me Hulk out, you know? Uh, so when he says, that's my secret, I'm always angry, I love that line. And I don't care what anybody says. The line makes total sense because... If you have control to turn yourself into the Hulk, what we've seen up until now is, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. He gets pushed. Like The famous thing of the TV show is somebody bumps Bruce Banner and he falls on the ground and suddenly he hulks out, which really would be somebody with anger management issues. But you watch like The Incredible Hulk uh, with Edward Norton from a few years earlier, and it's things like you know he's getting stressed out because people are chasing him and he might die, or he's having sex with Liv Tyler, and you know things that would normally get people worked up. And, yeah, you think she's hot. And he has to bring himself down. So that fits. But you eventually have to get to the point, especially when you're in an Avengers movie, we're no longer in the point where the Hulk is, I guess, both the protagonist and antagonist. The Hulk here has to be a member of the team. He has to turn into the Hulk under his own control. And there's that great line in uh, The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton where he's saying, you know, I don't think I can control this, but maybe I can, like direct it a little bit or I can point the Hulk in the right direction I can kind of channel it uh, and that's sort of the lead into this the idea is the Hulk will eventually have to have control he's going to have to know I'm fighting on the side of these guys I'm not going to hurt Captain America I'm not going to hurt Iron Man or Black Widow or Hawkeye or Thor or anybody else that's kind of what I was talking about though. that was my next note I was saying like you know earlier in the movie he was about ready to kill Natasha and now the mm -hmm. Hulk is actually communicating with people like what the heck well again that's just something that comes from the, the comics and the easiest explanation for that would be going back to the Incredible Hulk movie where he's talking about you know just controlling it a little bit or maybe directing the Hulk uh, um, driving just, it sort just, of it's just another thing that's obviously not really well explained yeah but I mean you've got so many characters in the movie there's only so much you could do but in order to be that Hulk that has some form of control, you need to explain how he can just choose to Hulk out. And he doesn't just instantly say, I'm going to make myself angry. How lame would that be in a movie? If he's like, I got to turn into the Hulk now. All right, somebody spit in my eye. <laughs> you know, Somebody knee me in the groin. It wouldn't make any sense. You need to have him able to just turn on the switch. And the idea that this guy is always so worked up, always so angry that it just comes down to he's holding it back 24-7 and he just has to say, you know what, I'm not going to hold it back anymore. I'm turning it into the Hulk. You could never get to the Hulk as a member of the Avengers without that. So yeah, it, people are dumb if they complain it, about the line. It does make sense. It makes sense that they would have to go there. Yeah. Um, there was a cool scene um, but that I had written down here and it really is... Right... Probably five minutes from where we're talking about right no, now. <laughs> it's just it's just literally right after he turns into the Hulk. There is a... And this is me actually saying something good about the movie, okay? Okay. So it was a cool scene having Iron Man's blaster shoot or reflect off of Captain America's shield. You said it was a line. No, like it was a cool thing that happened. I okay. 
Yeah, yeah. that was a cool moment. That and <laughs> but but while this was all going on and everything, remember I I told you I asked you, and then of course it showed him like right in the next scene. It seemed like like Loki just disappeared, and they kind of forgot about him for like twenty minutes. Well, I mean he he jumped onto one of the Chitari ships. Um, I mean they've got bigger fish to fry. They got a giant slug ship that's tearing apart the city. Yeah. But along with that line, I mean the other thing that they do really well in this climax, and this is where it would be hard. It's one thing to make a movie based on a comic book with one character. It's another thing to say, I'm going to combine all these characters in one movie. But to make it feel like the way that Avengers comics feel like when it does feel special that you combine all these characters, what's the purpose of them combining? And like that thing where Tony Stark shoots uh, Captain America's shield and it deflects off and everything. It's like double teaming, using your, your powers... Uh, teaming up for an advantage. And it's the same thing like when we see Black Widow later on where she wants to grab onto the Chitauri ship, which that's the dumbest thing in the whole movie. But it's basically like, I'm going to need a boost or whatever. So um, <laughs> a couple other moments I'll talk about before I get there. Uh, anyways, the right before, just one more thing to add about the, the Hulk thing. There are a couple of good Black Widow lines in this movie where um, uh, I think she's saying like, well, this all seems horrible <laughs> and then they're saying like uh, um i've seen worse and it's like we could use worse right now uh that's sort of where the hulk got uh, entered in there but where everybody starts teaming up here and uh they're talking about getting to an elevated position so that hawkeye and they do a decent job for as much as jerry renner complains about what they did with his character in this movie i can understand we do get good use of his powers and i mean do you like how they use hawkeye with the archery i mean it seems like a lame thing to do you know, Green Arrow's a lot more dark and gritty where they could do, like, some violent fights and stuff. But here, he's just shooting trick arrows. Um, but the way that sometimes he's doing without looking, like, I kind of like that. Uh, I guess, quickly talking about Black Widow and Hawkeye, their fighting style, what they bring to this movie, is it something that you think works in the movie? Would you ever be entertained to watch these as solo movies? No. I think that um, the humor that you got from Black Widow earlier in the movie was good. Jeremy Renner, I mean, was it really something that they just did with the movie with the character? I don't know. I mean, like you said, I, I think it was good when he was um, uh, just kind of shooting these arrows without having to look like that type of stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, again, it's just like, would the movie have been different without him there? Um, uh, probably I mean, not. Do you need them in the movie? No, but I think it's also about filling out your characters. You know, they knew... It's important to have characters who are real-world based. If this is all just people with incredible powers, then there's nothing to relate to. So having characters like Hawkeye and Black Widow makes sense. now. But that's part of the reason why Black Widow, it's it's ruined all by them going too over the top with her in action scenes. Um, where she gets the boost from Captain America and grags on to the Chitari ship. Which, let's just say, he throws her 10 feet in the air, and she grabs onto a moving, flying vehicle that's going approximately 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah. And she just grabs on a thing and pulls herself up. Like, her arms would have been ripped out of the sockets if she could have ever gotten a grip of it. It's the single most unrealistic, cartoony thing we see this entire movie. And we see a giant green man toss a demigod around and yet that moment i'm just like oh that's so dumb it's like the orlando bloom running across the oh, blocks that, that was stupid in, in the hobbit battle of five armies where the bridge is collapsing it's just it physically makes no sense and i'm kind of shocked that more people don't pick up on that they're just like how dumb is that she grabs onto a vehicle going 100 kilometers an hour flying in the air and she just pulls herself up 
Um, but we get some cool flying shots out of that, so that's something. Uh, one of my favorite lines in this movie, like, Joss Whedon's humor is incredible and is perfect for these. When Iron Man's going to fly uh, Legolas up here, <laughs> Legolas, uh, Hawkeye, because he says, clinch up Legolas. I mean, I ever wound that and listened to it a second time. Yeah, you did. Oh, I love that line. Um, yeah, the I guess the rest of the climax here, we have uh, the... Everybody kind of using their powers, battling. The greatest thing is really just seeing the Hulk tearing apart buildings and that one shot where the music's playing, where um, the first time he turns into the Hulk and he flips that slug ship. And that's where my music kicks in, my you know my ringtone, the the Avengers theme. The dun, 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 dun. I, I love that moment. Like The music perfectly suits and just to see the Hulk for the first time flip a ship is incredible. Uh Everything's just big battles. Captain America's, you know, saving some people inside of a building, um, which <laughs> um, the fact that when they have that fight in the building with the Chitauri troops, uh, they basically just get beaten by a wooden table is funny to me. Just a quick moment you got to see in there. There's stuff going on in the background with S.H.I.E.L.D. I guess the council, whoever governs S.H.I.E.L.D., wants to nuke New York City. Um, and that would have totally gone along with the whole destruction of everything too. Uh, but what I love here is that Nick Fury, here's where Nick Fury gets contributed. And maybe the second dumbest thing other than Blackwood's arms not being all over socket. Let's say even dumber than that. A plane carrying a nuclear warhead is lifting off from the helicarrier. And what does Nick Fury do? Do you remember? Mm, no. He shoots it down with a bazooka. This plane is carrying a nuke and he shoots it and it ex- giant explosion and this thing crashes. That would have nuked that entire area. They all would have been dead. The fact that he could shoot this and that bomb doesn't go off is crazy. The fact that he would even risk shooting is even crazier. Um, There's that great shot where it's like a tracking shot of everybody fighting. That's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. Uh, You have your moment here, which I know I'll just give you your quote because it's one of your six notes in here. Um, The the thing with the... uh, the showdown here with Hulk. You want to set that one up? Probably the most famous moment of the whole movie. Uh, I, d- I don't remember. I'll give this one to you, though. I do have it. It's my last note, but I will give it to you. Well, yeah, where he's talking about, you know, I'm uh, a god or whatever, and the Hulk just comes out of nowhere, grabs my leg, flings him around like a rag doll, repeatedly. Like, this is like six or seven times, and it's a puny god. Like, that probably got the biggest ovation when we saw that opening oh. night. Like, do you remember that at all? Oh, yeah. It was it was a funny moment. It's one sure. of these moments where the whole audience is just laughing hysterically while he's tossing them around. And then you have, like, it calms down just enough and you hear puny God and people just erupt. Um, yeah, I would argue the most famous moment in the whole movie here. Uh, so they eventually turn Selvig, the scientist, and he says, Oh, I built a safety into this machine where Loki's scepter can, you know, uh, turn this thing off. Yeah, because now the Tesseract is self-sustaining. They need to close the portal. Uh, so they're able to close it, but now the nuke's headed to the city. So they need somebody to fly this up. Tony Stark, of course, is the martyr. Now, I complain that there's a little bit too much Iron Man in this movie that they maybe just let him take the lead too much in this. This, I think, was important because the next movie they are going to be getting to after this was going to be Iron Man 3. So to have him kind of have this ultimate sacrifice would make sense. And it did start with him. Uh, Iron Man flies the nuke out of the portal, throws it up into the Chitauri ship. 
It explodes. He comes crashing back down to Earth. Now here, third most completely unrealistic scene in this movie is this portal is hundreds upon hundreds of feet in the air. Now the second Iron Man passes back through the portal, Black Widow's like, look, there he is. Like, she's not using binoculars. If she had a telescope, she might be able to see him. But she's spotting him thousands of feet in the air. Look, it's Tony. Like that tiny dot in the sky. They close the portal. He comes back down. It's like, could you even see a school bus, like, down the street? Like, to, like... Forget that. Like, three blocks away? If a school bus was dropping from that portal, and it was only, you know, 300 feet in the air, maybe you see it. But this is thousands of feet. Probably tens of thousands of feet. And she just spots it. Hey, look, there he is. I actually didn't even think about that. That's pretty stupid. Um, In the end, we get the heroic shot of... uh, um, the Hulk catching Tony as he's crashing the ground, which is incredible. Uh, and then they're trying to wake him up, and here's another just hilarious moment. Everything the Hulk did in this movie, the crowd just you know erupted for. And uh, when he just starts screaming in Tony's face, and Tony suddenly comes to, he goes, "Please tell me nobody kissed me." <laughs> um, and uh, I guess the movie kind of fades out here before we get to the final scenes, because I have a couple comments on that. Anything you want to add on this whole climax here? The battle? Oh, you gotta have something. It's 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 cool for some of the scenes that they had. I like the scene like you were talking about earlier in the episode already with Thor when he's falling in the prison and then you see obviously them like jumping from the buildings type of thing. And also the uh part with Iron Man where he's working together with Captain America where his laser's yeah. going off the shield. It's, those are, those are shots, but as a whole, the battle really does work. Yeah, no, it was a good part of the movie. If there was any part that I would say, oh, this was cool to watch, it would probably be like the last 20 minutes. So the climax. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't say the last 20 minutes because we have about six post-climax scenes here. But I don't know, I love that final battle. I think that's what makes the movie for me. I mean, I said that re-watching this now... That first hour just drags like crazy because you don't care about the introductions of these characters because you've seen them all together now in Age of Ultron and Civil War and you get crossovers and all these other movies. It just doesn't feel special. But when this movie really gets into the action, it's spectacular. We should say the story is pretty thin. Yeah. Um, which again is something that I found kind of hypocritical when people talked about the issue with Justice League is that the story is really thin. I'm like, have you seen the Avengers one? <laughs> It's Loki opening a portal for aliens to invade, and that doesn't happen to the last 20 minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie is people talking to each other and meeting each other for the first time and fighting with each other. And, yeah. And I'm a fan of both of these movies, but they really are the same thing. I mean, it's very stupid. Yeah. But again, Joss Whedon, like, to handle a movie this size, and I think this is what surprised me. Nowadays, you say Joss Whedon's doing this movie, it's no big deal. But he was a TV director, and to think that somebody would go from directing episodes of Firefly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you know the only movie he did was Serenity, which had like a $30, $40 million budget, even if it was a sci-fi movie, to do this massive blockbuster, you know, biggest movie of the generation for the Avengers. It's just crazy how well he pulled off all this action here and really made it work. Um, we have, I guess the last moment here is uh, where all the letters fall off of Stark Towers, and we see the A, and you realize, oh, that's the Avengers symbol. Avengers, yeah. <laughs> New Tower. It's one of these things, that you, when you go back and watch a movie over again, you can really see where they're going with that, with the letters dropping. But when I saw this the first time, I didn't get it. But then the second it shows up on screen, you get it, you know? Uh, so we have a couple of final scenes here. We have the council talking about 
you know, the, the, these superheroes or whatever, and uh, uh, whether it's a good idea to just sort of let them loose and be on their own. Where are they right now? I found it funny that both on the news and the council, they're like, well, where are the Avengers? And then they walk out in the middle of what, Central Park, to send Loki and Thor through a portal in all their costumes. Um, that should have been a little bit obvious. The Stan Lee cameo, not the best Stan Lee cameo, but kind of a funny line. Do you remember his line? No, I don't remember his line. Where he's like, superheroes in New York City? Give me oh, a break. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was playing chess in the park. Yeah. And this is the other thing, is that when you really want to talk about these movies, this and Justice League being similar, I remember one of my few complaints about Justice League in the review was that the movie ended very abruptly. The climax just sort of ends, and then they have one or two wrap-up scenes and it's just done with. It's really the same thing here. I mean, we don't get a final scene of the Avengers talking to each other and saying goodbye. It's kind of done with music in the background and a montage. They're cutting back and forth between the Nick Fury thing and this. Um, so it's pretty similar the way those two movies end. But uh, um, the post credit scenes, last thing to really talk about. So the appearance of Thanos, which I guarantee you probably had no idea who it was when we saw this the first time. No. Did you get it most recently since you've seen the Infinity War trailers? Yeah, he's the big purple dude. Yeah, I remember explaining this to the group of people we were with when it appeared, and nobody really knew what this post credit scene would be. They didn't know how far they'd be going in these movies. Like, what stories from the Marvel Universe are they looking to tell? Uh, you know, the obvious choice would be the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War story. So when Thanos appeared, I'm like, that's oh, Thanos. And everybody else like, who's that guy? <laughs> Which I think they make fun of in the Honest Trailers, where they, they mention, like, the cameo appearance at the end that 80% of the audience pretended they knew who it was. Um, and then the final scene, which is them getting shawarma. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And which, it's, it's like, what's the point? But then that's what makes it it's, funny. It's, yeah, and this was the first time Marvel did that in a post credit scene. Like, most post credit scenes were done to set up other movies. Nick Fury appearing in Tony Stark's apartment in Iron Man. Tony Stark, you know, talking to uh, General Ross in uh, uh, Incredible Hulk. Uh, Agent Coulson showing up and seeing the hammer in the desert for, um, which, uh, I think that was Iron Man 2 or whatever. Uh, but with this one, this was like just a throwaway joke. And apparently this, it was just meant to end on the Thanos scene. And Joss Whedon, like at the last minute, said, I think we really just need like a funny scene to end it. He wanted to bring back this shawarma joke. Uh, so this is what I was telling you about earlier, about when you look at their pose, they're all just quietly eating. And I like that now the Marvel movies kind of, this has become their thing. Where, like, the post credit scene in Spider-Man Homecoming is just a public service announcement from <laughs> Captain America. But uh, the joke here is they're sitting there doing nothing. And you remember the pose that Captain America's in where he's kind of resting his hand on his face? Yeah, I remember you told me that. You're going to tell me about that. Yeah, so this was literally filmed, like, three weeks or whatever before the movie came out. It was, like, very last minute. They're like, we want to throw this last scene in here. I can get all the guys here to do this one shot. And... Chris Evans was filming a movie called The Snowpiercer at the time where he had a full beard. And they didn't have time to shave it or digitally remove it. You know, it's not as easy as a mustache uh, in Justice League. So they basically have him cupping his face in his hand the whole time to hide the fact that he had this beard from Snowpiercer. So again, funny similarities between Avengers and Justice League. So they both had to deal with reshoots and digitally or, uh, I guess, practically removing facial hair. I, I didn't even actually notice that. Yeah, I mean, if you watch it now, it's very obvious what they're doing, that they're clearly hiding that. But that was just fun at the time. So that's the end of Avengers. I mean, I... Woohoo, thank God! You get to talk about Age of Ultron next week. Get ready. Um, any final comments you want to wrap it up before we go through just quickly the box office and uh, stuff like that? No. I can't remember the second movie, but I hope... 
I'm hoping it's better than this one. Well, I just mean anything else you want to oh, add on oh, the you Avengers. Know what, you know what I did remember, though, actually? I just remembered I actually really like Scarlet Witch. Yeah, so there's something to look forward to, but we'll yeah. talk about that in a second. And Again, I, I think how do you she, always find a way to get I, a few minutes ahead I, of me? I think she's I think she's the hottest Olsen sister. Well, there's not a lot of competition there. <laughs> well, there's Mary-Kate and Ashley. There's not a lot of competition there. Okay, um, anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... Wrap it up, i got to use the washroom. <laughs> Um, just let it go, okay? Uh, so, still to this day, um, Rotten Tomatoes, 92%, uh, which is pretty solid, but although I honestly do believe if a lot of people rewatch this movie, you're going to find the same thing I found, is that the first hour does not work. It really needs that second hour, so it's pretty generous, I think. But who this, are of course, the people that are scoring this? What the heck? Well, these are the, the critics who reviewed it when it first came out. And 92%? Again, yeah, and, but again, when a movie first comes out... You're, first of all, we should say The Last Jedi got that critic score. So critics aren't as smart as everybody thinks they are. Um, but, yeah, when a movie first comes out, I mean, certain things are going to work that don't work now. And I guarantee, I don't remember exactly what your opinion was of The Avengers when it first came out, but I guarantee you were higher on it when we saw this the first time than you were any other time. Uh, but uh, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes still. Uh, 91% is the audience score. So critics still like it slightly more than the audiences did. Um box office so this is where it gets crazy this movie when it came out was the first movie ever to open over 200 million dollars now if memory serves me right the highest opening up until this point uh was probably something like 130 140 million i think it was the dark knight to be honest so if you give me a second i could look it up here yeah so here we go the dark knight i believe had the biggest opening weekend uh up until this point which was $158 million in 2008. Four years later, Avengers shatters that and opens with $207 million. That's in North America alone. Um, it, it's you know gone on worldwide, still to this day, to be the fifth highest grossing film of all time. Uh, so it's behind Avatar uh, worldwide with $2.7 million, Titanic with $2.1, Force Awakens with $2, or $2 billion, that is... Um, 1.6 billion for Jurassic World and then 1.5 billion for the Avengers. So insane box office. Like even at the time, this was like the biggest hit you know, that there had ever been. Uh, although adjusted grosses are something different, but just huge. And I mean, this 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 movie more than lived up to the expectations. Uh, so yeah, critically good reviews. Box office insane. Obviously, the Marvel movies took off really after this, and we kind of went through the box office at the beginning of this. Thor and Captain America and the Incredible Hulk were modest hits. Uh, after this, pretty much anything that with the name Marvel on it was going to make $200 million or more, even if it was as bad as Thor the Dark World. Um, and I guess the movies just kept multiplying everything and eventually we'd get Age of Ultron. So let's go into the reviews really quickly here. Uh, try to give us a little bit of expanded thought on just all your opinions on this movie and what are you going to do? You're going to buy it, rent it, bin it. I'm going to bin it. Why? Because I feel like most of the story is boring. And, hey, this and is... the No, listen. I, I feel like most of the story is boring. I, I feel like there's a couple of good lines. I feel like the, the action was entertaining enough towards the end when it was. But what I feel like is I feel like if I was like a comic book nerd where I was familiar with these characters. I grew up with them. I read about them. I knew the backstories and stuff like that. Like some people watching this do, like you would know that kind of stuff. I feel like I would probably think it's more interesting, but 
Okay, that's fair enough. But like, the, th- the thing that's confusing me is, A, you like other Marvel movies, so why you would bin this, I don't understand. And this may very well be the first bin since you've had since next, maybe only the second bin you've ever had next to Atomic Blonde. Now, I'll remind you, we did this on Red Sparrow, okay? Uh-huh. The Mummy. You spent the entire review, as I was even saying, this isn't that good of a movie, but it's okay. And you spent the entire review saying, this is garbage, this is terrible, what an awful movie. And then you said, you know, I think I might buy it. Red Sparrow, you said you would buy, even though you agreed with everything I said, that the movie was a complete mess, that it was lacking any character development, any story development, and you said you would buy that. And you are going to bin the Avengers? Yeah. Get out of my house. Yeah. Right now. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah, that's... But you you have to explain somehow how you would buy Red Sparrow... And you, I think you even eventually rented the mummy, and this is a Bennett? I don't know, because Red Sparrow would actually be interested to watch like a couple times again. This I would never watch for fun, even if it was on TV. I'd be like, change the channel. Oh, we're going to have a blast when we get to Age of Ultron next week. Um, I'm going to buy this, uh, even though well, I said my you, opinion's you, gone down you a You did lot. buy it. I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll also say, there are much worse Marvel movies than this. Um, and, and you, yeah, to add on to that, because you said you like Marvel movies. Okay, I like the newest Thor that they came out with, but besides that, the only ones that I could actually say, oh, I really like these, I would actually watch them again, you know, to watch them for fun on my own would be probably the X-Men movies. Well, those aren't the Marvel movies, though. That's They're based on Marvel Comics, but they didn't make those. This Marvel Universe. Doctor yeah. Strange. Nah. No, don't say nah. You loved yeah. it when we watched it. It was good. It was good, but again... Iron like, Man mm-hmm. 1, you saw twice in the theater. I saw it once in the theater. You saw Iron Man twice in the theater. How did I see it twice? I don't know. You did, though. Okay. Well, anyway. And then you got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? I actually don't remember um, Iron Man. But I like Guardians of the Galaxy better than this movie. Yeah, well, see, I know I disagree on that because I don't really think Guardians of the Galaxy 1 or 2 are incredible movies, which is where everybody's going to hate me once we get to that but uh no that's just crazy to me that, that you would bin this movie i'm buying it um i'm the smart one here <laughs> like this movie is fun and there are a lot of problems with it especially problems that come up six years later where it loses a lot of its effect but the movie is a blast when it gets in the second half it is absolutely incredible and i can't complain about anything in the second half of this movie and you know is it gonna be like I mean, I do own this movie. There's a handful of Marvel movies I do own. I've seen them all. Uh, is it as good as, like, the best ones, like Captain America's or uh, Doctor Strange or Iron Man 1 or anything? No, but for what it is, I mean, this is an incredible superhero movie. I mean, incredible superhero movie. I don't really think so, but, again, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, I like... Uh, I like um... I like DC stuff usually a lot more, but I don't know. It's it's not even that it's a group thing because, like I said, I don't know. I like um, Guardians of the Galaxy more. Maybe it's just more my flavor. I don't know. Well, and again, I can understand the first hour of this movie is slow. It is boring, especially now. It wasn't the time, but it is now. It's just but even if you're the, letting even... that affect the second half, the second half, you seem to say, I enjoyed all this stuff. No, 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 but I think it's just the characters too. Like, it, uh, even like, I mean, Captain America is hot, but even for his movies, uh, for me, I'm just like, eh, they're, like, they're okay. And you think like they're great and amazing, which is fine, and I'm not saying you're wrong. But it's just, it's not really my thing. I think in this movie, the only character, and I mean, now watching Thor Ragnarok, I do like, you know, them more. But 
if I'm taking them in this movie and I'm saying, you know, what characters do I care about in this movie? The only one that I actually probably like and find interesting would be the Hulk. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was the star of the movie. When this movie came out, most people walked out of the movie thinking the Hulk stole the movie. Captain America and Loki were kind of the close second and third. You know, nobody really was caring that much about Thor. They still, well, it took up until now before they did. But yeah, this movie really did help to launch Hulk and Captain America, I think, which is, uh, and Loki, which made them all like big characters. Uh, next week, or maybe uh, in just under a week, uh, who knows, whenever we can get this done, uh, Age of Ultron, which came out three years later, 2015 sequel. Uh, Joss Whedon's back. The entire cast is back. You have the additions of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Uh, you've got the vision in there. You got the you know appearances. Oh, from I, li- the f- I like Quicksilver. See, I like them. The, the, but, you, but this is but, not that Quicksilver. No, but I was going to say, but I like the other Quicksilver way better. Yeah, um, and of course you get uh, you know, the Falcon in here as well, and I think War Machine makes an appearance. Uh, obviously, the Ultron being the main villain. A lot of things change in this movie. Um, do you have any recollection of this outside of the few moments you mentioned, like with the hammer and the vision and stuff? And what are you looking forward to or not looking forward to in Age of Ultron? Mm, I don't remember a lot about it. I think I remember, I believe that some of these people who have powers were kids that were tested on or something like that. Like Scarlet Witch. The Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, honestly, beyond that, I don't remember much more. So, are you looking forward to this now? Do you think you might enjoy it more? After remembering that part of it, yeah, maybe. Okay. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll just say if you end up, <laughs> this is gonna be. I, I know. I already committed to it, so I, I already have to. I know. I know what's gonna happen. But if you end up uh, uh, praising this one more than the first, then I'm officially out of this marriage. I'm done. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm just gonna say I have not watched this movie since it first came out in theaters. And all I can say is there are a handful of Marvel movies that I genuinely do not like at all. And Age of Ultron is one of them. I think this is like one of the worst superhero movies ever made. Uh, I mean, well, I won't go as far as to say it's as bad as the remake of Fantastic Four. But of this Marvel universe, it's right near the bottom for me. Uh, now, having said that, maybe things will change you know, now that we're three years later. Uh, maybe I'll like some of this more. But I was not fond of this movie when it first came out. There's a couple of things that I was fond of, a couple of characters that I thought they did really well with in this movie, um, and then a couple I thought that they just killed in this movie. Uh, but I mean, overall, I, I'm in a way I'm more looking forward to this one just because I have no idea what my reaction is going to be three years later. Uh, I will tell you though, I will I will agree that Scarlet Witch was fantastic in this movie. Vision was fantastic. Quicksilver was there. <laughs> And we're going to have lots to talk about with Quicksilver, or at least what with was, one scene. What was the reason why they couldn't do it the same again? Well, we'll, we'll get into that in the next episode. But yeah, the, the rights are kind of weird and wonky between Fox and this because they both technically, like uh, Quicksilver as being connected to X-Men allows them to have the rights to that. But Quicksilver being a member of the Avengers allows them to have rights to this. And because of that, they had to work out a deal where, say, they're not allowed to call them mutants in any way. And they had to change... You know whatever their origin was here in Avengers, but uh, in uh, the the other one they weren't allowed to reference uh, any other characters. I think included Scarlet Witch, but yeah, it's kind of weird. But that'll be fun to get into as well, and also just Joss Whedon's general dislike for Age of Ultron too. I kind of makes me uh, uh, appreciate Joss Whedon a little bit more. But anyways, we'll be back next week for that. 
this episode took a little longer to get out because, look, we've got a baby that we have to record this around. And he has his second year molars coming in, so... Imagine the yeah. worst teething of a teething baby, and that's where we're dealing with right now. But hopefully we'll get this one out by next weekend. Uh, make sure to continue to subscribe to us on iTunes. If you haven't already, subscribed to us on iTunes or Stitcher. I just subscribed to us on Stitcher on my brand new phone. Uh, so I'm subscribed twice now. And it's not an iPhone. It's not an iPhone, thankfully. Thank God. Um, I don't subscribe on iTunes. But anyways, uh, follow us because we've got lots of uh, movies coming out. Uh, Avengers, uh, Age of Ultron is going to be followed by our preview episode of Infinity War, which will also include us talking about all of the Marvel movies leading up to Infinity War. So we'll get to talk a little bit on Incredible Hulk and Thor and Captain America and Ant-Man and Doctor Strange and all those others. But uh, that is it for this week. And until next time, um, you have an army, I have a Jamie. Uh, okay. Colin, son, you have a condition. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.